This is Commission President Ryan Calkins convening the regular meeting of January 10th, 2023. The time is 10.30 a.m. We're meeting in person today at the Port of Seattle headquarters, building commission chambers and virtually via Microsoft Teams. Present with me today are Commissioners Cho, Felman, Hasegawa, and Muhammad, who are currently gathered in the executive session room awaiting the opening of the public meeting. We'll now recess into the executive session to discuss one, one item regarding litigation or potential litigation or legal risk per RCW 4230-1101I for approximately 20 minutes and we'll reconvene in a public session at noon. Thank you. All right, good afternoon. This is Commission President Ryan Calkins reconvening the regular meeting of January 10th, 2023. The time is 12.11 p.m. We're meeting in person today at the Pier 69 Port of Seattle headquarters and in the commission chambers and virtually via Microsoft Teams. Clerk Hart, please call the roll of all commissioners in attendance. Thank you, beginning with Commissioner Cho. Present. Thank you, Commissioner Fellman. Present. Thank you, Commissioner Hasegawa. Present. Thank you, Commissioner Mohammed. Present. Thank you, and Commissioner Calkins. I'm here. Thank you, we do have a full commission present today. Due to the continued virtual component of participation for our meetings, we have staff, external presenters, and members of the public who may be participating on their personal devices or from their telephones today. We've made arrangements to accommodate this virtual format. Later, we'll take public comment on items related to the conduct of the port from people who are participating by Teams, as well as from those in person who have signed up to speak. For anyone participating on Microsoft Teams, please mute your speakers when not actively speaking or presenting. Please keep your cameras off unless you are a member of the commission or executive director participating virtually or you are a member of staff in a presentation and are actively addressing the commission. Members of the public addressing the commission may turn on their cameras when their name is called to speak. For anyone at the dais here today, please turn off the speakers on any computers and silence your devices. When you are recognized to speak, you will press the button for your microphone to be audible and will press it again to silence it when not actively speaking. All of the items noted here will ensure a smoother meeting. Thank you. All votes today will be taken by the roll call method, so it is clear for anyone participating virtually how votes are cast. Commissioners will say aye or nay when their name is called. I ask that all commissioners wait to be recognized before speaking. We are meeting on the ancestral lands and waters of the Coast Salish people, with whom we share a commitment to steward these natural resources for future generations. This meeting is being digitally recorded and may be viewed or heard at any time on the port's website and may be rebroadcast by King County Television. Please join me for the Pledge of Allegiance. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. And the first item of business today is approval of the agenda. I understand that Commissioner Fellman would like to pull item 8D from the consent agenda. Is that correct, Commissioner Fellman? Yes, thank you. Are there any other items to be pulled from the consent agenda? All right. Commissioners, the question is now on approval of the agenda. Is there a motion to approve the agenda as amended? So moved. Seconded. The motion has been made and seconded. Is there any objection to approval of the agenda as amended? Hearing none, the agenda is approved as amended. All right, we have two special orders of the day to begin our meeting. Our first item is the election of officers for 2023. Before we do that, uh, I'm given an opportunity to say a few words. We had an extraordinary reception upstairs today, and uh, I believe that um, really carries the weight of the day today. 
The only other thing I would add is a true sense of gratitude to Executive Director Metric, who has been uh, extraordinary at the helm, uh, a person that I see as both a mentor and uh, as well as a colleague and friend. And uh, we could not have had the year we have had without his leadership. Um, and, I, and I know that he would say this too, but that a, a big portion of, of why he is so successful as our leader is he's brought the people around him who uh, make sure that we all succeed. And uh, that's true at every level of the organization and is a real hallmark of his leadership here. And so it's been a pleasure to sit in this chair this last year in large part because I get to meet with you weekly, talk through the hard stuff. Uh, I, I find myself uh, wanting to seek out your opinion on stuff unrelated to the port because I value your opinion so much. And uh, so that's, that was the one thing that I didn't get to share up at the podium earlier today, but I think is absolutely essential to who we are as an institution. And I, get, I hope that we have many more years with you to come as executive director. That's embarrassing. Thank you, Mr. <laughs> <laughs> and I that's knew that it know, would be. reflects the staff. <laughs> sometimes, know, so. sometimes I think my job is just to see if I can get Steve to turn red. <laughs> We will also get a chance to hear from our incoming officers after the vote on the order before us. Clark Hart, can you please call uh, in, please read into the record uh, the next item? Yes, this is agenda item 4A, order number 2023-01, an order electing the slate of Port of Seattle Commission officers for calendar year 2023. And I'll go ahead and read that slate of officers into the record. The statement in support of the order. At the first meeting of each calendar year, the commission elects the president, vice president, and secretary, whose terms run from the date of election until the end of the calendar year. This is bylaws article three, sections two and three. The duties of the president, vice president, and secretary are described in the commission's bylaws and rules of procedure. The individuals listed above have agreed to perform the duties of their respective proposed offices in 2023, have acknowledged the principle that public service is a public trust, have executed annual transparency pledges, and recognize that all officers serve at the pleasure of the Port of Seattle Commission. The text of the order, the Port of Seattle Commission hereby elects the following slate of officers for 2023. All terms expire December 31st, 2023, pursuant to the Commission bylaws. President Sam Cho, Vice President Toshiko Hasegawa, Secretary Fred Fellman. And that concludes the reading of the slate of officers. Commissioners, the order before you designates our President, Vice President, and Secretary positions for 2023. Is there a motion and a second to adopt order number 202301? So moved. Second. It has, uh, the motion has been made and seconded. Is there any discussion? Come on, this is a chance to say oh, how much you. <laughs> <laughs> we'll also give you guys a chance after yeah, this too. So. Commissioner Mahat. Thank you for recognizing me. Um, well, I just want to say that um, this is a historical moment for the Port of Seattle, for our region. It is a historical moment for Asian Americans all across this country. Um, the port connects us no matter where you are in the world. And um, to be able to have this slate in particular is a moment that we should all celebrate. And um, I'm so excited to be witnessing it. And uh, Commissioner Cho and Hasegawa, you both are friends to me. You both are exceptional leaders. And um, 
Commissioner Fellowman, I'm also really excited for you. You are the only Jewish uh, uh, commissioner on our commission and um, you do important work in the community and I am excited about your leadership as well. And so um, I'm just happy to see you guys lead and to be working alongside each and every one of you. Any further comments? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, my remarks on this are going to be really simple. Um, it is rare that uh, I would feel zero reservations about handing over leadership to someone, but I am having worked now uh, three years with Commissioner Cho, I have zero reservations about his doing an excellent job as uh, president of the Port Commission and the opportunity for Commissioner Hasegawa to step into the role of, of vice chair, vice president. Uh, it tells me that we've got bright future ahead, and so this is an exciting time for us at the Port of Seattle, and I'm just glad to be a part of, uh, be a witness to it. So with that said, uh, hearing no further discussion, Clerk Hart, can you please call the roll for the vote? Commissioners, please say aye or nay when your name is called. Beginning with Commissioner Cho. Aye. Thank you. Commissioner Fellman. Aye. Thank you. Commissioner Hasegawa. Aye. Thank you. Commissioner Mohammed. Aye. Thank you, and Commissioner Calkins. Aye. Thank you, five ayes and zero nays for this slate of officers for 2023. And with that, <laughs> the motion passes. Congratulations, Commissioners Cho, Commissioner Hasegawa, and Commissioner Fellman. And Sam, I get to now turn the gavel over to you, and, and we switch seats, is that right, Michelle? Switch right. seats, yes, please. Okay. You gotta take your seat, Yes, that's right. I'm taking this with me. <laughs> Amazing. Well, um, I said my bit earlier, so I'll make my remarks quick. But first and foremost, I want to thank my colleagues for entrusting me in me with this tremendous responsibility. Um, and I want to thank President Calkins or uh, President Emeritus Calkins uh, for the tremendous leadership that you showed uh, in 2022. 2022 was very unique for many reasons. We had two new colleagues who joined us in the commission and. Oftentimes when you have new people on a team, uh, it can be uh, a little hectic. You're not sure if folks are gonna get along. I knew we were gonna get along, but uh, it's, it's not always clear how the team will, um, will mesh together. And I think Commissioner Calkins did an excellent job from day one of having new uh, colleagues of getting us together, uh, making sure that we were all on the same page and uh, it was very clear from the get-go that we all shared the same values and I think the success that we saw in 22 was a large part of the, the leadership that you showed, so thank you so much. Um, in, in closing, I wanna really thank the port staff. Um, you know, oftentimes as electeds and as commissioners here on this podium, we always get the spotlight or the headlines in the news, but we all know up here that in reality, it's uh, the, the folks on the ground uh, in our offices who are really executing and doing all the great work that make us look so good. Um, and so on behalf of my colleagues here up on the podium, uh, I really wanna thank the port staff. Uh, we went through a tough winter with some difficulties at the airport. Uh, the pandemic was tough for 
those who worked in the maritime industry, and we have a lot of challenges ahead. But I will say that with this new leadership uh, and the commitment that we have to people, uh, that I'm very optimistic and excited about the future. Lastly, I'll just say that um, to quote a good friend and mentor of mine, Marilyn Strickland, uh, who always says, it's great to be the first, but you should never be the last. And so while I may be the first person of color uh, to serve in this spot, I know for a fact uh, that I won't be the last. Uh, and so I really look forward to those who are going to come ahead, who are going to uh, lead this institution going forward. So thank you very much. I'd like to now ask if our Commission Vice President and Secretary have comments uh, they would like to make. So I'll start with Commissioner Hazakala. Thank you, President Cho. Well, actually, first and foremost, I just wanted to acknowledge the tremendous leadership of our outgoing president, Commissioner Calkins, um, who has truly demonstrated for me uh, what grace and compassion in leadership looks like. Um, I think you were a really important example to be able to step to this body um, as a freshman and see you in action. Um, and um, you, for me, set the example of how values and vision can guide the institution and leave a legacy and a foundation upon which we can build. Can you just show the audience your tie, please? Talk. <laughs> <laughs> It's important in leadership that you come with vision and values, and um, so I just wanted to congratulate you on the amazing foundation and your very many successes as president. It's such an honor to be your, your colleague. Um, and Commissioner Cho, I have had the privilege of seeing you in action in many different capacities, but I do think that the most exciting um, and most rewarding of all is to be able to call you Port of Seattle Commission President. Um, seeing you in this position brings me both pride and it also thinks, I think brings joy to this work. Um, and as you take that gavel, be cognizant that you are breaking yet another glass ceiling and in your own words, um, not to be the, uh, that you're the first but not to be the last and that you're setting down the ladder ensuring that others could climb up too. Your level-headedness, kindness and commitment to justice serve as a meaningful compass for you as you weather the unknown elements in the year ahead. Um, you can count on me and you can count on all of us as your colleagues um, and just like we can count on you to take this position with stride. I believe in you and congratulations on this marked accomplishment as the first person of color and the youngest president to ever serve in this capacity in our over 110 year history. Thank you so much, Commissioner Hazagawa. Um, and our Commission Secretary, Commissioner Feldman, you have the floor. Thank you, Commission President. And uh, thank you, outgoing President. Uh, this has been a great year. And uh, I really do appreciate the, uh, the work you've put in. And I do appreciate the support of my colleagues on this uh, commission that, whose diversity is increasingly able to represent the diversity of constituents that we have the honor to serve. And um, I do appreciate being able to bring maybe some of my institutional memory to the degree my age allows for it. Um, and, but I also want to make it clear that, um, that there isn't a necessary succession to presidency. And uh, you know, uh, I do not want it to be, to be seen that um, I am precluding the opportunity for my colleagues to rise above. And in fact, 
we very much wanted to have Commissioner Hamdi take this role at this time, but it did not work for her schedule. And so um, I'm, I would be honored to have her continue to rise in front of my schedule. So just want to put it out there. I'm not jumping the gun here. And, um, and I do very much appreciate the uh, camaraderie that this commission has shown. And like I said, and the leadership that Commissioner Calkins has shown for this past year. And look forward to working with President Cho. Thank you. Thank you, Commissioner Fellman. Are there any additional commissioner comments to begin the year? All right, seeing none, Clerk Hart, please read the next item into the record. We'll then hear from Executive Director Metric to introduce the item. Thank you, this is agenda item 4B, proclamation and recognition of January as Human Trafficking Prevention Month. Commissioners, the Port of Seattle is a national leader among seaports and airports in terms of our efforts to combat human trafficking. We're proud of our achievements to date, but we also know that we have significant opportunities to make even more of an impact. To that end, today's proclamation, recognizing January as Human Trafficking Prevention Month, is an important opportunity to recommit ourselves to doing everything possible to end this terrible crime. At this time, I'll turn over to Commission Strategic Advisor Tyler Imsky. Tyler. There's Tyler. Hey, everybody. So this work is really amazing, and we've got a really amazing team here today to help read off uh, this proclamation. Uh, we've got Chad Aldridge, Delmas Whitaker, V. Wen, and uh, Mar Bretman from Best is going to be joining here in just one second, too. Uh, also, Jamie Carter couldn't join today, but she is a key part of this uh, port team making this happen. So without further ado, I'm going to turn it over to, I think it's V to start. Whereas human trafficking, also known as trafficking in persons, includes both forced labor and sex trafficking, and whereas human trafficking robs millions of their dignity and freedom, enriches transnational criminals and terrorists, represents a threat to international peace and security, and undermines the rule of law, and whereas the Federal Trafficking Victims Protection Act of 2000 called for the United States to combat human trafficking domestically and internationally, and Whereas in 2010, President Obama declared January National Slavery and Human Trafficking Prevention Month. And every year since, each president has followed this tradition. And whereas the Port of Seattle has joined the fight to end human trafficking through multi-year efforts at SEA, including bystander training for port employees and victim self-rescue tools. And whereas during the port's 2021 budget process, Commissioner Cho championed $300,000 in the budget to provide essential resources for the port's anti-human trafficking efforts and... Whereas the U.S. Department of Transportation has awarded the 2022 Combating Human Trafficking in Transportation Impact Award uh, and $50,000 in cash to SEA, the United uh, uh, Against Human Trafficking proposal uh, to convene a national steering committee to of 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 to uh, 20 diverse airports and scale the Port of Seattle's uh, counter trafficking approach into the awareness toolkit for use by airports nationwide, and whereas the port has convened and human anti-human trafficking work group comprised of employees from aviation maritime 
and Corporate and Central Services, which has presented recommendations for the proposed spending plan for these resources and Whereas recommendations from the anti-trafficking, uh, anti-human trafficking work group were crafted to ensure that every division of the port's operations bolsters the port's anti-trafficking, uh, anti-human trafficking efforts. Recommendations were organized via the port's four pillars to combat human trafficking, policy and procedural change, training for employees at port facilities, a public awareness campaign, and partnerships to ant- amplify the anti-trafficking efforts, and... Whereas the port's planned anti-human trafficking efforts for 2023 include rolling out a port-wide pledge inviting tenants to become allies in our efforts to combat human trafficking, a refreshed public awareness campaign, and additional events throughout the port intended to grow awareness with port employees, port tenants, and or deepen partnerships with port partners such as other public agencies. Now, therefore, The Port of Seattle Commission hereby recognizes January as Human Trafficking Prevention Month. The Port also commits to expand our ongoing efforts to eliminate the scourge of human trafficking across the operations of our entire organization. Excellent. Thank you so much to you all for uh, reading the proclamation out to us. I'd like to take a moment of personal privilege in speaking first on this matter, uh, mainly because uh, it's one that I will be sponsoring uh, as the prime. Um, First, thank you to the staff again. Uh, Most people don't realize this, but a lot of the work that we do in human trafficking is actually complementary and outside of most people's nine to five daily. So this is something that our staff is extremely passionate about. They devote time outside and and in addition to their daily work to do this work. And so I really appreciate that. And I don't think you all get enough um, credit and uh, appreciation for that. So thank you again. I also want to take a moment to thank Mar Bretman, who has joined us today to help read uh, the proclamation. But for those of you who don't know, she is the outgoing president and CEO of BEST, which is the Businesses Ending, Ending Slavery and Trafficking. Yes, she is uh, uh, early retirement, uh, well-deserved. Um, but BEST has been a tremendous partner in our efforts to combat human trafficking, um, including this effort here today that we are highlighting. Um, a pledge that we will be signing tomorrow along with our tenants. Um, You know, I think it's a testament to how much we're doing in this field when you see the U.S. Department of Transportation giving us an award as well as actual money uh, towards these efforts. So I really commend the staff for this. Obviously, there's so much more work to be done when it comes to this. The, The work never stops. But I'm truly proud of the fact that the Port of Seattle has become a leader on this issue. And there's really nothing more that I would want us to uh, tackle in my first uh, day as president. So thank you so much for all that. Um, are there any other commissioners uh, at this time who will make comments? Uh, Vice President Tosh Kazagawa, please. Susanna Remerata Blackwell. She is a woman who was bought as a mail order bride from, by a man who became her husband legally, who found her in a magazine. He flipped through the pages, decided he liked her best, and sent for her. He pursued to abuse her at home, and she sought to divorce him. When she showed up for her court date, accompanied by two friends, Phoebe Dizon and Veronica Loretta Johnson, 
She was met by her husband who calmly pulled a nine millimeter handgun and shot her vertically, first in the head, then in the chest, and then in her belly where she was carrying her eight month unborn child. The murders of these three women and the unborn child caused the question of what does it mean to buy a person? And it started a movement. Advocates from the Asian American community turned to the state legislature and in legislation championed by former state representative Velma Valoria, we, Washington State led on the first piece of legislation that named and criminalized human trafficking. This was model legislation that was multiplied in other states across the nation. It began, began a deep conversation about something that we realized was an incredibly large institutional problem. And different studies have demonstrated that that problem actually has a huge footprint right here at home. In fact, King County is a hot spot in an international circuit for the trafficking of persons. Ports are a place where trafficking happens, but it's not just through our gateway. It's in the fields. It's across the supply chain. And so I am so pleased to know that the Port of Seattle is expanding its efforts um, and raising awareness, including through the passage of this proclamation. We have so much work to do to address the second largest and fastest growing underground economy in the world. But this is one of those spaces where the Port of Seattle can make an influence globally by acting locally. Thank you so much to our prime sponsor, Commissioner Cho, and thank you to the staff that brought this forward. Thank you so much, Commissioner Hasegawa. Anyone else on the dais? Commissioner Mohammed. Well, first I wanna thank um, President Cho for bringing this forward and to the staff members who have spent so much time on this issue. Um, President Cho, thank you for keeping this issue front and center for the commission. Um, I also want to recognize former Commissioner um, Courtney Gregoire, yes. who also um, kept this issue front and center for the Port of Seattle. It is a combating human trafficking has been an issue that the port has been wrestling with for a very long time. And it is an issue that we have to continue to work towards and um, to combat. Um, Commissioner Cho President Cho and I have talked about this issue in the Aviation Committee. And you know, every time these proclamations come, come in front of us, I always go to a place of what could we do? What more can we do? What actions, what tools do we have to, to act and do something about um, this issue that impacts so many people, so many people who look like me, who look like so many of us in this room. And um, there's also uh, Representative Tina Orwell um, from the 33rd has worked on this issue very, for a very long time. And I have shared with folks in the aviation committee that you know we need to go beyond signages, that we need to do more. Um, a lot of the times when someone is trafficked and they're trafficked through our airport, for example, one of the only places that they have time to be alone and to be by themselves is at a restroom. And it's not ideal to put a phone inside of a restroom, but we need to think about panic buttons 
for people who are being trafficked. We need to think about ways that we can save lives. We say that folks who are being trafficked are not alone and um, there has to be more that needs to be done. And I know that our staff at the Port of Seattle is committed to taking on this issue. And I know President Cho has, has brought this issue front and center a number of times. And so I'm looking forward to supporting this proclamation and also in 2023, figuring out ways that we can do more. And so thank you for bringing this back again. And I look forward to doing more this year. Thank you, Commissioner. Commissioner Coggins. Uh, in the um, in the larger ecosystem in which people move between places, um, national boundaries play an extraordinarily important role in uh, determining who can come and go from where. And unfortunately, our broken immigration system in the United States actually exacerbates this problem because it creates um, incentives, gray or black market incentives, uh, for um, folks to uh, traffic in people rather than uh, those people being able to pursue legal means to, to get to and from the United States and other countries. And so I think for us, it's important to recognize that we need to continue as an institution to advocate for uh, a federal immigration fix. Uh, the system is incredibly broken and is creating all sorts of negative externalities, including this one. Commissioner Fellman. I, I have nothing really to add other than my appreciation for the commission to pursue this issue and for staff's work to make it real. Thank you. Excellent. Thank you so much. Hearing no further discussion for this item, is there a motion and a second? So moved. Second. A motion was made and seconded. Clerk Hart, please call the roll for the vote. Commissioners, please say aye or nay when your name is called. Thank you. Beginning with Commissioner Cho. Aye. Aye. Thank you. Commissioner Fellerman. Aye. Thank you. Commissioner Hasegawa. Aye. Thank you. Commissioner Mohammed. Aye. Thank you. And Commissioner Calkins. Aye. We're looking at you over there, Commissioner. On the end. Aye. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Five ayes, zero nays for this item. Excellent. The motion passes. Thank you so much. All right. Moving on to the next agenda item. Thank you, Chad. Our next agenda item is the Executive Director's Report. Executive Director Metric, you have the floor. Good afternoon, Commissioners, and Happy New Year. I'd like to begin my remarks by thanking Commissioner Calkins for his leadership as Commission President during the last year. Uh, you know, it really was a challenging year, Commissioner. I, I know you said, uh, I'm glad at the end that uh, he said it's all the staff that, that does the work, but I appreciate those kind comments uh, earlier. But I really want to thank you for your leadership during uh, a year. I, I think as I look back, I think about the things we accomplished and not the challenges that we faced, but I think we all know that there were different various uh, challenges during the year that we faced uh, in different things and overcoming those. And, and really uh, going into this year, um, you know, coming out of the pandemic, now that it's in year three, and I, I appreciate uh, Brian Surratt saying that, oh yeah, it's hard to think about those three years, but I think uh, 22 was a transition year for that as well. So I, I appreciate your strong leadership and uh, friendship and working together on, on moving ahead on all the important things that we accomplished. And just as a little teaser, I would say, is that talking about those accomplishments in the uh, uh, State of the Port report coming up will be a good opportunity to talk in depth about those many things and then looking forward. And I also, uh, so I thank you. Uh, I also want to um, 
And I also want to congratulate the new and uh, precedent-setting uh, slate of new officers. Uh, president uh, Cho, Commissioner Cho was president, Commissioner Hasegawa as vice president, and uh, Commissioner Fellman as secretary. And I look forward, you know, we have uh, similar challenges ahead of us and different things. Uh, I know those will come, but I think the, uh, as it was said in the remarks of in, earlier today, is that that feeling of camaraderie and uh, the ability to work through on different things is really important for us as an institution, as an organization. And I know that we have the competent staff and, and thanks to your uh, leadership in the resourcing of us, I think we're positioned well to advance that work in 2023. Um, and I look forward to building on the successes that we have in 2022 uh, coming forward. Um, however, before we look ahead, I wanna highlight two significant operational successes uh, at the end of last year that probably are still in our memories, even though it's hard to remember those on such a nice, beautiful day where we have great weather and it's a really uh, foreshadowing the, our future in uh, 2023. However, I wanna look back uh, a few weeks ago, uh, first at uh, SEA at Seattle Tacoma International Airport, where there were two significant disruptions, starting with an ice storm and then the national cancellations from Southwest Airlines. I'd like to share just a few highlights of how we as an organization plan in advance for and respond to these kinds of weather events uh, when they're forecasted. So forecasted weather events do allow us to do pre-planning. A week before the potential snow and ice storm, managers in aviation maintenance started working on 12 hours on, 12 hours off in order to work around the clock to be prepared. Our auto mechanics be began preparing the snow fleet, materials and supplies prior, maintained all equipment during, and now will continue for days to return this fleet to readiness. And also the investments we made in previous years to enhance our equipment helps to position us as, as well. The field crew, with the assistance of about 50 additional Port of Seattle employees from various positions throughout the port, worked to keep the airfield operational around the clock. This time, despite every conceivable effort to combat ice and freezing rain, the runways could not be made safe for aircraft, which is our top priority. Matter of fact, if you watch the news, you heard aircraft on other airports landed and slid off the runway in those conditions, so we always keep safety as paramount. I understand that one of the de-icer trucks was sliding sideways down a runway at one point as an effort to de-ice the uh, runway. It took working all night to get a runway one runway opened by First Light and they did that. I know this was not an easy task and I appreciate our crew's tireless efforts through such conditions working to do that. Besides the airfield, other staff were helping manage the holiday queues for security and getting airport employees and passengers to and from the airport, no small task. A special shout out to our bus drivers. At the peak of the storm, we had only four of nine rental bus car drivers uh, operating, we usually have nine to eleven, and they're only those those four hardy uh, bus drivers. These four bus drivers kept the rental car facility loop moving safely with no accidents. Bus drivers also served as the eyes on the field in the field, reporting airport runway roadway conditions and hazards so we could address them. Similarly, while Southwest is a small carrier at SEA, they typically fly between thirty-seven and forty-five flights a day from our airport. Over the holidays, a large number of those flights were canceled as the airline struggled to overcome a uh, system-wide national um, uh, problems. For example, on December 27th, Southwest Air, uh, Airlines flew just five flights from our airport. Any cancellation impacts our travelers and many airport staff stepped up to help. 
not only port employees, but also our airport dining and retail tenants who offered terrific service and plenty of amenities. Port staff provided high five thank you water bottles to airport workers helping our shared customers. Uh, huge thanks to the many port employees who worked through the challenging events at SEA over the holidays as they worked to keep the airport safe and sound and operational 24-7. And this is a thing we do every day. Uh, harsh weather conditions also brought additional problems. There was, a significant there was significant devastation to our community in the Duwamish Valley neighborhood of South Park with severe flooding that led to over 85 individuals being displaced to, due to significant damage to their homes. Many of them uh, were multi-generational families from the Latinx and, and KMI uh, communities. Uh, working closely with Seattle Public Utilities, the Duwamish River Community Coalition, uh, organize, we were organized, uh, well, they organized mutual aid, donations, language access, and other resources. Port staff stood up our Duwamish River Community Hub in the heart of South Park as a respite center and donation hub for those impacted. Clothing, groceries, water supplies, and monetary donations have been steadily coming in and getting in the hands of those in need. It really support the support of all the commissioners, especially Commissioner Asagawa, in these efforts to, to meet the uh, needs of the community and focusing on the needs of the community. I want to recognize the many port staff that stepped up to volunteer for shifts at the hub, managed by our community engagement team who led the port's response. The DRCC has partnered with several other community organizations to offer ongoing support uh, for the community. And as of Tuesday, as of today, the hub has returned to normal operations serving our Duwamish River Community Equity Programming. I'm proud of the way the port stepped up at this time of community crisis to help our neighbors as we could. We encourage all of those who want to provide support to visit the DRCC website, which continues to be a clearinghouse of information of ways to help the community. Uh, in positive news at the end of the year, our state's $1 billion clean hydrogen hub application, which the port and the NWSA are part of, received encouragement from the United States Department of Energy based on an initial concept paper submitted this past fall. The DOE has invited the Pacific Northwest Hydrogen Hub to submit a full application by its uh, deadline in April. We are one of the 33 applicants encouraged to move on to the next round of 79 total. Hydrogen is a prom promising, as you know, hydrogen is a promising alternative fuel, particularly in the maritime environment. And we are excited to participate in this important bipartisan infrastructure law funding opportunity. We look forward to sharing additional details with you as we get closer to the final submittal. Looking forward to the year ahead, I'd like to highlight a number of capital projects whose construction airport travelers will begin to experience, and I have to say not in a, not in a great way, uh, um, they'll experience this as part of the efforts to upgrade Seattle-Tacoma International Airport. Uh, barricades for the upcoming SCA Gateway project are being installed on the north end of the baggage claim level near carousels 15, 16, and doors 22. As noted in the previous meetings, once complete, this project will improve throughput and modernize our north main terminal. And as you know, for all of our projects, we have to kind of rebuild it as we're continuing to operate, and this is just part of that process. But it's always good if you're uh, impacted to know that there's better things, better level of service on the other side. On the land side, as part of the curbside accessibility and safety project, Skybridge One near the green elevator banks and international airlines will be closed due to construction. 
Travelers and staff will need to use Skybridge 2 by the yellow elevators to access terminal effect to access the terminal effect of January 9th yesterday for a few weeks. Finally, next Monday is the Martin Luther King holiday. In addition to providing uh, paid time for most support employees, this day is an opportunity for us as an organization to reinforce our commitment to equity, diversity, and inclusion priorities and to look for ways to volunteer in the community. I hope that we can all be reminded of the Reverend Dr. King's values and be able to honor his legacy and impact by committing to justice, equity, and nonviolence. Moving to today's commission meeting, I'd like to highlight a few items. First, I want to acknowledge today's proclamation for the Anti-Human Trafficking Awareness Month. And as you know, the Port of Seattle is a national leader among seaports and airports in terms of our efforts to combat human trafficking. We're proud of our achievements to date, but we also know that we have significant opportunities to make even more impact, as you heard in the proclamation. Uh, today's proclamation is an important opportunity to recommit ourselves to doing everything possible to end this terrible crime, and you have my commitment to that as well. Um, I want to congratulate, uh, we heard about the $50,000 grant and additional national, national recognition. I want to uh, congratulate the team for this. I know that uh, Commissioner Cho will be speaking at the Federal Anti-Trafficking Conference in Washington, D.C. later this month, and we'll be able to shore, share more about these important efforts. On our consent agenda is an authorization related to our terminal solid waste project. This project helps SEA meet its 60% waste diversion goal by providing important infrastructure renewal and capacity upgrades to handle the airport's recent growth. Specifically, it will help accommodate passenger and terminal growth in the associated increase in solid waste, recycling, and com compostable waste streams. Unprecedented construction inflation over the last four years, complex phasing, and the cost of concrete and steel have contributed to the overall cost increases to this project. Item 10A is an item related to Pier 66 shore power, one of the key components of our Maritime Climate and Air Action Plan, and we are excited to begin construction on this project so that it is ready for the start of the 2024 cruise season. Allowing, allowing cruise ships to plug in at berth reduces not only carbon emissions, but also other harmful air particulates. And the completion of this project will result in all three port cruise berths being shore power accessible. Lastly, you'll receive our annual briefing on our tourism development program. Tourism is a key economic driver for the port in our region and state, and we've been a longtime leader in this industry. Our role in tourism has been particularly essential as we continue to recover from the impacts of the COVID-19 pandemic and as we push the, the industry to further emphasize responsible and in, in environmentally sustainable options. Commissioners, this concludes my remarks. Thank you. Thank you for the time for extended. There's a lot going on. And, uh, yeah, there's and a lot going on, clearly. Thank you so much, Executive Director Metric. Um, we are now on to committee reports. Uh, Erica Chung, Commission Strategic Advisor, will provide the report. Erica. Good afternoon, President Cho. I have one committee report for you today. Uh, Commissioners uh, Calkins and Hasegawa convened the Sustainability, Environment, and Climate Committee on December 20th, 2022, where commissioners were briefed on the waterfront clean energy strategy, discussed the tree stewardship components and timeline of when it would be brought forward for commission action, and discussed key takeaways and opportunities from 2022 international travels. Commissioners Calkins asked staff to think about how we may incorporate some of the United Nations sustainability measurements and standards to our own activity. This concludes my remarks. Thank you. 
Thank you, uh, Erica. Um, I actually uh, forgot to ask if there are any questions for S Director Metric. So I'll open it up for questions for either Director Metric or Erica Chung. Here we go. Any, any questions? No? Commissioner Azagawa? Uh, thank you, Commissioner Cho. Executive Director Metric, I'm just wondering, knowing that climate change is happening and that inclement weather is um, is a very real challenge that we're going to continue to face, what steps are we taking to be prepared for um, December and January next year? Well, I think the investments, let me just talk about the snow and ice. So, of course, snow is something that you can it's really the ice conditions which led to our first, you know, the shutdown, not maintaining the airport. But we'll continue to look at that. You know, we organize all year round, um, and really, I thank the commissioners for the support of the new equipment. Uh, you recall, I think it was last year we updated our equipment, and so I think we continually drill and exercise to be prepared for those events. But it's also throughout the port as we look at uh, preparedness for inclement weather. Um, I think for us too, it's also you bring up the issue of resiliency, right? How do we prepare for all threats, you know, from from climate change, uh, sea level rise, and uh, in climate weather related to that storm weather related to that, and and it's a continuous process for us. You know, we have uh, we've done our assessments, and we're always looking at updating those assessments to the steps that we can take to have us more prepared. So it's two parts. One part is making sure that our infrastructure is prepared for that, and the other part is having, you know, it's 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 uh, uh, prevention from the damage happening, and then preparedness in case something does happen and then response to that so that we can get up and operating as soon as possible. In this case, on the airport, getting those uh, runways open as soon as possible and getting all the efforts uh, operating there. So it's continuing for us. It's just a reminder. And we do lessons learned. We go back and review our response to it and preparedness and what we can do better the next time. So I think it's for us, it's just continuing is that, um, you know, we'll continue to position ourselves to make sure that we're uh, prepared and then responding to it as it, as it goes ahead. But, you know, uh, it, with weather, Mother Nature can throw something at you um, that's difficult to deal with. As we know, the entire region with the with ICE um, was doing that. So just our uh, it's our cycle of preparedness to continue to work to be prepared both through the materials that we have, the structures, and, and the operations. Thank you. And I'm glad you brought up the aspect of resiliency. And I think that that same process applies to our Duwamish Valley assets, considering that there was a failure of a terminal given the heavy rains and the king tide, as well as the, um, the Duwamish Valley Community Hub reporting a small, not serious, but a leak. Um, so that concept of resiliency, I think, is not just for the airport, and also for our, our seaport assets. Thank you. Excellent. Thank you for that question. Any other questions for the director or uh, Erica? Great, seeing none, um, we will go on and move on to public comment. We are now at the public comment section of our agenda. The Port Commission welcomes public comment as an important part of the public process. Comments are received and considered by the Commission in its deliberations. Before we take public comment, I want to review our rules for in-person and virtual public comment. Each commentator will have two minutes to speak and should stay within the allotted time. A timer will, be appear, will appear on the screen and a buzzer will sound at the end of the two minute period for each speaker. You must limit remarks to topics related to the conduct of port business. These rules apply to introductory and concluding remarks. All remarks should be addressed to the commission as a body, not to any individual on the commission. 
Disruptions of commission public meetings are prohibited. Disruptions include, but are not limited to the following. Refusal of a speaker to limit remarks to topics related to the conduct of the port business. Threats and abuse or harassing behavior, including but not limited to obscene language and gesture. Refusal of a speaker to comply with the allotted time set for the individual speaker's public comment. Leaving the podium or testimony table to physically approach commissioners or staff during one's public comment provides speakers may offer written materials to the commission clerk and any behavior that disrupts, dis disturbs, or otherwise impedes the meeting. Written materials provided to the clerk will be included in today's meeting record. The clerk will uh, has a list of all those prepared to speak. We are taking comments from anyone who has signed up to speak virtually, as well as anyone who has joined us in chambers today. When the clerk calls your name, or when I call your name, if you are joining virtually, please unmute yourself, then please proceed to repeat your name for the record and state your topic related to the conduct of poor business. If you're on the Teams meeting and you're also streaming the meeting on the website, please mute the website stream to avoid feedback. If you are speaking from the room, please come to the testimony table, repeat your name, and state your topic related to the conduct of poor business. For all speakers, if any topic is not related to the conduct of poor business, the speaker will be asked to speak directly to the items related to the conduct of the port or, or, or otherwise leave the microphone. As a reminder, please comment, uh, comment time will be limited to two minutes per person. Clerk Hart, we will uh, go ahead and ask our first uh, in-person speaker to come to the podium, and that is Alex Zimmerman. Alex? Yes. Alex, please remember to uh, state your name for the record and the topic that you'll be speaking of related to the conduct of the port. Hi, my name is Alex Zimmerman. I'm president of Stand Up America, and I'm candidate right now for King Country District 623. I want to speak Alex, about- Alex, what's the topic related to the port that you're speaking of today? The conduct of the port. I want to speak about something what is, I think, very important and absolutely critical. I want to speak about behavior of what half five commissioner. I think this key to everything, what is we doing here, you know what is mean? And in business, what is include billion dollars and about 750,000 people who live in Seattle, who by definition, I think, is a slave. So first, what is I want to explain to you, because I want talking about exactly detail, because evil in detail about your behavior. Yeah, first, you're always late. I never see businesses, civilized businesses, will, will be late, always. So this number one is absolutely critical, this show who you are. Number two, all decision what is you make right now is behalf of minority. This is very interesting because four people here represent only 15 percentage. So your, your decision nothing to do with business. Everything what is you doing is only support this minority or opinion about minority. Your opinion cannot be behalf of 100 percentage people who live in Seattle because only 15 percentage minority. It's number two. And number three, I think you're very low, primitive, and very aggressive. Is this exactly what is I talk about this before many times? So each time what is I have different opinion, you know what is mean? Qualify you like a different, you always cut me. So I am thinking you are them Nazi Gestapo democracy fascist. And you acting like a family, like a mob. 
look, nice family. <laughs> so I think this little bit a psycho too. You know what this means, new psychopath. So I speak right now behalf of port and about behalf of city of Seattle. You need to start acting like a civilized people, not like a mentally sick psychopath. Is this exactly what is my opinion? Thank you very much for your time. Thank you, thank you very much. All right. We'll be moving on to our second speaker, who is Mar Bretman. Thank you. Commissioners, thank you so much for your work and commitment to prevent human trafficking. I'll be speaking on the proclamation today. I'm sorry um, to interrupt. Can you please restate your name for the record and your topic related to the conduct of the port? Please? Yes, my name is Mar Bretman. I'm the executive director. Uh, for Businesses Ending Slavery and Trafficking, or BEST. BEST is a nonprofit that supports and trains organizations to prevent human trafficking. Our golden standard for an employer that we work with is when we see that employer adopt practices very widely and across every level of the organization. And when we see the organization uh, take what they've learned about human trafficking and influence their peers and vendors and tenants to act as well. The Port of Seattle is reaching that gold standard due to the commitment, dedication, and hard work of Commissioner Cho, Commissioner President Cho, uh, Commissioner Hasegawa, and Commissioner Mohammed, and our other commissioners who are here today. In addition, I've been so impressed with the dedication of staff like Stephen Metrick, Eric Shinfield, Chad, Chad Aldridge, Tyler Imsky, Vi Nguyen, Jamie Carter, Delmas Whitaker, Perry Cooper, Bukta Gisher, Guadalupe Torres, and Russ Reed, and there are so many more people working on this that I don't even have time to name them all. This speaks to your commitment, commissioners and staff working together to create organizational-wide practices and adoption of practices and training, as well as influencing your peers and tenants to prevent human trafficking and to hire survivors of human trafficking, which has been happening this year. In the last two weeks, our community has lost two trafficking survivors, two beloved mothers and friends. Excuse me. And our work by the Port of Seattle gives us hope that people who did not even know these women care about them and care about their children and are working to make every, every effort to stop this violence. Thank you so much. Thank you, Mar, so much for all your great work. And uh, we're going to miss you, but we know you're not going to go far. Uh, you know, so we'll see you around. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Um, second, we're going to go back and forth between virtual and uh, in-person speakers. So I will call the first virtual speaker on the list, who is Philip Ambrose. Philip, can you hear us? I can. Can you hear me? Excellent. Yes, you have two minutes whenever you're ready. Thank you. Sure. I'm Phil Ambrose. I'm from City Light. I'm speaking about the Ports Pier 66 Shore Power Project. I'm a senior project manager with City Light, and I've been pleased to work with the Ports Project team on this project for uh, several months now. Thank you for the opportunity to provide some brief comments on behalf of City Light. This is truly an important project for not only the Port of Seattle, but also the City of Seattle and the waterfront as a whole. The Pier 66 Shore Power Project is one of several anticipated projects, as you all know, uh, that City Light will continue to partner with uh, the Port of Seattle and Northwest Seaport Alliance on um, and in our in our capacity as part of the Seattle Waterfront Clean Energy Strategy. 
Delivering clean shore power for cruise ships at Pier 66 enables City of Seattle goals of long-term emission reduction that not only affects the health of our residents, um, but also uh, improves uh, quality of life for some of the city's historically disadvantaged communities and workers. Um, our shared goals to reduce maritime industry emissions by electrification requires proactive partnership and creative solutions, both technological and organizational. And despite those challenges, I'm confident that we're providing a positive model for interagency coordination to achieve those long-term goals that will benefit Seattle, our region, and our respective agencies. Thank you again for the opportunity to speak on behalf of City Light, and I look forward to continuing our partnership with the port to deliver this unique, challenging, and important project. This concludes my remarks. Thank you. Excellent. Thank you, Philip. We will then rotate back to uh, in-person public comment. Our next speaker will be City of Tequila Council Member Cynthia Delostrinos Johnson. Please uh, remember to state your name for the record and the topic related to the conduct of the port. Thank you, Richard. <laughs> um, good afternoon. Uh, my name is Cynthia Delostrinos Johnson. I am a council member in the city of Tequila, as well as this year's council president. First and foremost, I'm here just to witness this historic day. Um, I want to congratulate Commissioner, Commissioner Cho and Commissioner Hasegawa, um, as well as Commissioner Fellman, for this uh, historic slate. It, it truly is an honor to witness to bear witness to this, and I'm excited for your guys' leadership and to see what you do. Um, I'm also taking the opportunity to identify some opportunities to partner with Tukwila. Um, there are three that I wanted to bring up. The first is support for small businesses, um, particularly our small immigrant uh, minority-owned businesses. This has consistently been something that our constituents in Tukwila are uh, very concerned about and um, it would be great to see a partnership between the port and the city of Tukwila in this effort. Um, I do want to specifically call out uh, and uh, something that I saw in one of your uh, newsletters about a south a possible South King public market. I think that the city of Tukwila would be a great location for that. There it is. <laughs> she, she agrees. Um, second, environmental justice. Uh, the Duwamish River runs throughout the city of Tukwila, and I just can't emphasize how important it is uh, to keep the Duwamish River clean. The city of Tukwila is joined with other cities in an effort called Green the Green, or Green the Green, the Green River, um, and it's an important initiative that has really made uh, Tukwila a better city for the people and the living animals and habitat. Lastly, workforce development for our youth um, is an important initiative. I think I've seen that in Commissioner Hamdi's uh, newsletter. And also the idea of supporting our rideshare drivers. Um, there was a proposal recently, or before the pandemic, to put a, a center, a support center for our rideshare drivers. And I would really love to see, or even just have us discuss something around that because I know uh, that many people in Tukwila have that as their livelihood and I just think it's a great opportunity. So I would love to continue these conversations uh, with you all and Happy New Year and congratulations. Thank you. Thank you so much, Councilwoman. I appreciate you coming down. 
All right, we will now rotate back to virtual comment. Our next virtual comment uh, er, uh, signed up is Liz Johnson from Visit Seattle. Liz, can you hear me? Hello, yes I can. Thank Excellent. you so much for having me today, commissioners and guests. Um, I'm be here on be I'm here on behalf of the Port of Seattle Tourism Liz, Department. Liz, could oh, you just really ahead. quickly uh, state your name, full name, and oh. the topic real quick? Thanks. Of course. Sorry about that. Uh, my name is Liz Johnson, and I'm the director of international tourism at Visit Seattle. And I'm here today to address the tourism development briefing on behalf of the Port of Seattle Tourism Department. And uh, I would like to speak to our partnership and the developing relationship between our two organizations. Uh, we all know that tourism is a very powerful economic driver in the city. In 2019, 41.9 million visitors contributed $8.1 billion to the local economy. And in 2021, the year for which we have the most recent data, that contribution was 5.6 billion from 27.5 million visitors. So this is obviously an increase over the two years before that, and 2022 was even better. Better, I look forward to those numbers, but we're still in a very early stage of recovery, and that recovery is tentative. Specific to our international markets, the Port Tourism Team and Visit Seattle have long recognized the importance of international visitors and whom we know stay longer and spend more than our average domestic excuse me, visitor. We have partnered in the past on cooperative efforts, but have often run parallel to one another in overseas markets, sharing similar messages from two different sources, talking to the exact same audiences. As the world reopens, we as a destination are competing not only with other destinations within the United States, but from around the world. And many of those destination organizations have much larger budgets than either of us will ever have. There is a power in pooling our resources to amplify our message to trade, media, and consumers. And we've recently taken steps forward to, to forge that unified front. We're currently in RFP process for joint representation in Australia New Zealand in conjunction with the state of Washington tourism and are exploring additional markets in which we can collaborate, including Japan, South Korea, France, Benelux, Scandinavia, all of which are historically in our top 10. I'm very pleased with the progress and the professional manner in which we've, we've moved forward so far, and I very much look forward to future cooperation that benefits our city and our region. Thank you. Thank you so much, for Liz, for your remarks. Uh, going back to in-person, we have David Blanford. Uh, David, please come up to the podium, uh, state your full name for the record and the topic related to conduct report. Thanks. Good afternoon, Commissioners. David Blanford. I'm Executive Director of State of Washington Tourism, and <clears throat> I'm here today to talk about tourism development as well. First, uh, congratulations, President Cho and officers, very exciting. Second, this is the perfect juncture to say thank you. Thank you for your ongoing support and leadership throughout the years in tourism development. We would simply not be where we are as a destination if it weren't for that. Um, <clears throat> I would especially like to call out Commissioner Fellman for your leadership and inspiration with responsible travel and tourism development. Commissioner Hasegawa for elevating these efforts, especially in the last year. And Executive Director Metric, thanks for your ongoing support and the support of your team, which is so meaningful to us. We work with them every day. I'd call out especially Dave McFadden for his understanding of the shared statewide footprint, um, commitment to economic development, commitment to diversity, equity, and inclusion. Uh, 
And uh, the new kid on the block, Nick Leonti, Director of Tourism, who has just been fantastic in the past six months, has immediately joined our statewide team. He brings global understanding and knowledge of tourism, and we're so grateful for that support. So thank you. Thank you so much. All right, our last, but certainly not least, speaker is virtual, and uh, it is Amy Nessler. Amy, can you hear me? Yes. Excellent, thank you so much for being here. If you could just state your full name and the topic related to the conduct of the poll for us, and you have two minutes. Thank you. Yes, I'm Amy Nessler. I am speaking in support of the Tourism Marketing Support Program in the Port of Seattle. I am the Communications and Stewardship Manager for the San Juan Islands Visitors Bureau. And receiving grants from the port has allowed our small destination to amplify our reach among a diversity of audiences as we seek to address equity of access in the islands and help spread the message of what it means to be a responsible traveler in the San Juans. Through these grants, we've produced TV episodes in both English and Spanish and hosted content creators affiliated with the Black Travel Alliance, all of which included messages about Leave No Trace and other stewardship ethics. So I hope you will continue to fund the Tourism Marketing Support Program. Thank you. Excellent, thank you so much. So that concludes our signups today. Is there anyone else present on the team's call or present in the room today who didn't sign up who wishes to address the commission? If so, please state and spell your name and state the topic related to the conduct of the port you wish to speak about for the record. All right, seeing none, at this time, I'll ask the clerk to please give a synopsis of any written comments received. Thank you, Mr. Commission President. Um, members of the commission, Executive Director Metric, we have received a actually seven, we had one written comment come in after the deadline. So the six that I'll summarize for you here today have been previously distributed along with that seventh and will become part of the public record for this meeting today. Beginning with Joe Kunstler, who writes regarding speech used during Alex Zimmerman's public comment. Sound Transit has developed tools at his urging to deal with such comments and he urges for a no trespass order against Alex Zimmerman. Laura Gibbons writes that she sees a conflict between the 2022 aviation federal priorities and addressing community impact. The only effective way to mitigate climate change is to reduce flying. Alex Fay writes that she is concerned with the port's plan to expand airport operations and international travel, stating the key to fighting climate change is to reduce the number of flights and cruises taken. Iris Antman writes regarding the harms of cruising and the climate crisis. She states the Clean Shipping Act introduced by Representative Lowenthal of California is a move in the right direction. Peggy Prince writes that spending millions of dollars on shore power at Pier 66 is just making a bad situation a little less bad and urges the port to examine other ways to reduce and eventually eliminate the multiple harms of crews. And concluding with Stacy Oaks, who writes to encourage the Port of Seattle to add the Clean Shipping Act to its legislative priorities. And that concludes the written comments today. Excellent. Thank you so much. Hearing no further public testimony, we'll move to con the consent agenda, item 8. Items on the consent agenda are considered routine and will be adopted by one motion. Items removed from the consent agenda will be considered separately immediately after adoption of the remaining consent agenda items. At this time, the chair will entertain a motion to approve the consent agenda covering 
items 8A, 8B, 8C, 8D, oh sorry, not 8D, 8E, 8F, G, and 8H. So moved. Second. The motion was made and seconded. Commissioners, please say aye or nay when your name is called. Beginning with Commissioner Chow. Aye. Thank you, Commissioner Pelleman. Aye. Thank you, Commissioner Hasegawa. Aye. Thank you, Commissioner Mohammed. Aye. Thank you, Commissioner Calkins. Aye. Thank you, five ayes, zero nays for this item. Excellent, the motion passes. We'll now take up item 8D. Clerk Hart, please read the item into the record. We'll then hear from Executive Director Metric to introduce the item. Commissioner Fellman pulled the item and he'll be first to address it. Thank you. Thank you. This is agenda item 8D, adoption of the 2023 local, regional, and community engagement policy priorities. Commissioners, you received a briefing on this item at our last meeting. Under your leadership, the port has ambitious policy and government and government relations goals and priorities. Engaging with our local and regional partners helps make these goals and priorities possible. Uh, our presenters to answer questions this, uh, this afternoon are Sabrina Boyu, Regional Government Relations Manager, uh, and also David Kaplan, Local Government Relations Manager, both from External Relations. Excellent. Commissioner Fellman, would you like to uh, make a motion uh, and then you can have the floor after we, we consider the item? So, so I, I move that we have this discussion over item 8D. Excellent. All second? Uh, Sorry. <laughs> yes, the floor is yours. Go ahead. Thank you. And uh, thank you for all the work you put into this. This is a large list of activities that reflect the diverse of issues that the port takes on. This, in addition to the federal review that we have, is quite the laundry list that I'm proud to be part of some small part of. And one, one of the things that, um, that I've noticed, and, and it occurred this year with regards to the development of the agenda, for the legislative agenda for the Seaport Alliance, that, the, um, that we get briefed on it, on it, and there's a sort of straw horse we begin with. We get briefed on it and we provide feedback. And then for this to show back up in consent doesn't allow for the conversation to talk about how those comments that you received are adequately reflected or if some other brilliant ideas come to our mind in the interim. So I was just kind of, given, given the, um, really the importance of the um, role of commissioners in our interaction with the public, the local community interactions, that I just see that the opportunity to have further conversation about how, we, how comprehensive, even though this list is large, as I said, um, how, how it is articulated and whether there are not some things that could also be included. So that's why I wanted to take this opportunity. Thank you, Commissioner. Um, we took a different approach, if you recall, um, when we did our briefing, and instead of the, the more uh, global laundry list of priorities that we've managed to compile in the past, we've taken everything back to our guiding principles, which is the Century Agenda, and tied back those things that the commission identified in your retreat earlier last year and also during your budget retreat had identified. We brought those in along with some of the other large items that have been standing for a while, incorporated those, and then met individually with the commissioners to have a conversation about making sure that your priorities were included. Um, we then briefed that at the commission meeting and we've incorporated the, the little feedback that we did receive at that meeting into the document that you have today. 
Well, thank you. And for the five members of the public that might be listening, it would be great to give them an opportunity to hear how responsive we are to those, to, to, to see how we are intending to review or impact our interactions, how we spend our resources. And so um, I, I just had a few comments, and I don't know whether my colleagues have had a chance to dig into this. Like I said, quite a comprehensive list. I'm not suggesting that um, otherwise. But like two things in particular uh, I would like to um, comment on. There's, of course, we can always nitpick, and I'm going to spare you with that. And I actually tried to put in writing what I'm going to try to say. It's kind of difficult to text edit in public and on the fly. and so pens down. But um, all right, so, so one of the things, and I think very much appropriate to the conversation we're having today about tourism, when, when, when reviewing the, the language that we have on um, making uh, the port a, um, the language is as a leading tourism destination and business gateway, we, we speak to the, um, really the operation of the airport is the, and that is one of the primary vehicles we use to promote tourism. But certainly, this is a very, um, shall we say, proximal, you know, mechanical part of it. It's you know, we spend all we just hear about all this, uh, you know, development of programming and promotional work, and so and and this latest development we're talking about in ecologically based tourism. So I, I just thought that um, given how much emphasis we're putting on this and resources expended on it that something more than just the airport would be appropriate. So if I could just read one sentence that I put over and we can text edit at another time. Um, to continue to collaborate with Visit Seattle and Washington State Tourism to promote visitors to the, to the state and to experience its natural assets while minimizing cultural and ecological impacts. That's a sentence that I think talks about tourism promotion in addition to the physical process of how you get people to and fro. I don't know, do you really need to make a motion to whether we can accept that as a, probably that's what we have to do, right? Well, yeah, I, I would suggest, I mean, it, do you feel like what Commissioner Fellman is suggesting is encompassed in the guiding principles and the current work plan is, I guess, the question I would ask of you, Dave and Sabrina? Yes, it's in keeping with it. As with everything, when we went through this process, there are some things that can fall within multiple categories in some cases. For example, we, we had made the adjustment to make sure that helping lead on development of a green corridor for crews showed up in both the environmental and, um, and in the um, uh, responsible economic uh, development. Um, it, it's up to commission to decide what amendments you want to make, but obviously it, it, it's in keeping with the intent of the goals that are set out in the in the uh, um, century agenda. Yeah. Well, I, I would suggest. I, mean, I would think. Uh, I think that this is covered, Commissioner Family, and I mean, it makes me. It, it, it feels like it was going a little too deep because you're calling out organizations like the Seattle and whatnot. So. Um, I think this discussion might suffice uh, as it being on the record. Well, I, I uh, humbly disagree. While the words of the names of the organizations um, may be considered too specific, it is specifically what we are doing this coming year. Sure. And, um, and to have the Port of Seattle's promotion or investment in tourism being 
reduced to that of communicating to the community about SAMP, which we now know is significantly delayed, um, or near-term projects, um, and the efficiency of the airport, to me, that's, that's not what we're doing about tourism. That's what we're doing about the functioning of an airport. And um, so I, I just think, you know, while what I'm suggesting, as we heard, is completely consistent with our mission and all that, it's just not articulated as one of the things that we are actively doing this year. Okay. So if you would prefer me not saying visit Seattle and watch the state tourism, even though they are our partner organizations, we can just say to collaborate with partner organizations to promote visitors to Washington State. Yeah, I would accept that. Do we, do we have a second to that amendment? Hang on a minute for me. Can I get you to restate your amendment, please, Mr. Commissioner? I thought we were going to try to not wordsmith, but here it goes. Continue to collaborate with uh, tourism partners to promote visitors to the state and to experience its natural assets while minimizing cultural and ecological impacts. And then tell me where would you like that placed? This would be goal six, objective 18. Oh, um, wait, wait, no, I'm sorry. Goal two. Um, objective six. Excellent. Okay, so um, for clarity, through the commission president to Commissioner Fellman, uh, the um, goals are outlined by the objectives, I think, of the century agenda. So to add an objective six, I'm not sure that that would jive. We could look for a bullet point under one of the existing objectives. What? And staff is suggesting objective four. I, I'm totally good with that. I, I didn't, um, I mean, you could add it to any bullet, but um, it really is a tourism-related thing. So I would, I would think it should be within goal two, personally. The objective four. Oh, objective four. My sorry. Yes. Now I understand. Okay. All right. Perfect. perfect. So now we have the uh, um, amendment stated and placed. to Mr. Commission President, you Thank can you move so to much. your second. Can I get a second? Second. Excellent. Can you call the, uh, the motion has been moved and seconded for an amendment. Yes. Can we call the roll? Thank you. Yes. Bear with me. And for the vote on that amendment, beginning with Commissioner Calkins. Aye. Thank you. Commissioner Fellerman. Aye. Thank you. Commissioner Hasegawa. Aye. Thank you, Commissioner Mohammed. Aye. Thank you, Commissioner Cho. Aye. Thank you. Five ayes, zero nays for that amendment. Excellent. Thank you very much. The amendment passes. Uh, are there any other questions for staff at the time from commissioners on this item? Let's get Commissioner Hazagawa first. Go ahead. Given that it is Human Trafficking Awareness Month and this is looking down our, um, our agenda for the coming year, I'm wondering if there is, um, if human trafficking advocacy lives anywhere in this document, and if not, I would propose that we incorporate it under Goal 5, becoming a model for equity, diversity, inclusion, um, and perhaps it could live under Objective 14. I'd like to raise that there is an active bill making its way through the legislature that was pre-filed by Representative Tina Orwell that would create a statewide com um, uh, service center for supporting adults with lived experience of sex trafficking. Great, yeah, you 
publicly, so I think we'd welcome this uh, amendment. I propose an amendment incorporating human trafficking under goal five and objective 14. Second. Great. All right. Clerk Clark, did you get yet that, or do you need anything repeated? No, I have it. Thank Excellent. you. Excellent. Thank you. The motion was made and seconded. We'll go ahead uh, to the roll call. I'm sorry. Yeah, um, we do need language. Okay, so if we want to do more than incorporating human trafficking, yes, we would need specific language. Is it, can we just insert it? Yeah. Yeah, surprises. I'm just kidding. Um, just, I think the language would be simply to include human trafficking as a priority for the port. Anti-trafficking and promoting yes. access to services <laughs> for trafficking survivors. Good Good I'm sorry, please say that again. Um, including anti-trafficking efforts and promoting access to services for human trafficking survivors as a legislative priority of the Port of Seattle. Under goal five, objective 14. And this is all recorded, so don't worry. <laughs> Great, okay. All right. Thank you for that, and thank you for the placement. Through the commission president, um, would you like me to go ahead and call the vote for yes, that amendment? Thank you. Um, beginning with Commissioner Calkins. Aye. Thank you, Commissioner Fellman. Aye. Thank you, Commissioner Hasegawa. Aye. Thank you, Commissioner Muhammad. Aye. Thank you, and Commissioner Chuck. Aye. Thank you, five ayes, zero nays for that amendment. Excellent, the amendment passes. Are there any other questions for staff at this time from commissioners? Okay, real quick. All right. Well, I would just like to like add like three words to uh, object uh, goal five, objective fourteen, um, with regards to the tribal MOU or MOA. Okay, so and I'd that's like the second bullet point through the commission president. Yes. Thank you. So, I would like to insert the word and implement the words finalize and implement the tribal memorandum of agreements, and then add with the Muckleshoot and Suquamish tribes. Yeah, we, we support that, thank you. Is there a second? Second. Excellent. All right, Clerk Hart, whenever you're ready. Thank you for a vote on that amendment, beginning with Commissioner Calkins. Aye. Thank you, Commissioner Fellman. Aye. Thank you, Commissioner Hasegawa. Aye. Thank you, Commissioner Mohammed. Aye. Thank you, and Commissioner Chow. Excellent. Aye. Thank you. Five ayes, zero nays for that amendment. Thank you very much. The motion passes. The amendment passes. Okay. Um, did you? I'm sorry. No, no, no. Excuse me. Okay, so with regards to objective 18, uh, the third bullet, advocating for the long-term health of SeaTac Park. Um, I certainly support this, uh, this language here. And I just want to note that in addition to advocating for the health of North SeaTac Park, as called for in this objective, I want to note that the JAC, which is the Joint Advisory Committee, comprised of two commissioners from the port and two from SeaTac City Council, will also be addressing the long-term protection of the park for human uses as well as the ecological uses. So I just want to clarify that. Great, thank you. Anyone else from the commission? All right, seeing no further discussion for this item, Clerk Hart, please call the roll for the vote. Uh, commissioners, please say aye or nay when your name is called. 
For the main motion as amended, beginning with Commissioner Calkins. Aye. Thank you. Commissioner Fellerman. Aye. Thank you. Commissioner Hasegawa. Aye. Thank you. Commissioner Mohammed. Aye. Thank you. And Commissioner Cho. Aye. Thank you. Five ayes, zero nays for that item. Excellent. The motion passes. Thank you all. Thank you. Thank you, guys. All right. Moving on in the agenda, we have one new business item today. Clerk Hart, please read the item into the record. We'll then hear from Executive Director Metric to introduce the item. Thank you. This is agenda item 10A, authorization for the Executive Director to advertise, award, and execute a major works construction contract to complete the installation of the Pier 66 shore power project, to utilize a project labor agreement, to enter into agreements in support of completion of this work, and to extend design contracts and execute service directives to provide construction support in the amount of $29,145,000 and an estimated total project cost of $38 million. This is CIP C800945. Commissioners, one of the key objectives of our Maritime Climate and Air Action Plan is to have 100% of homeport cruise ship calls connect to shore power by the year 2030, if not sooner. Implementing shore power at Pier 66 will lead to significant reductions not only in carbon emissions but also other air, air particulates in the near port communities. You previously authorized design and procurement of long lead time items for the Pier 66 shore power project, including the underwater cable. This current authorization is for construction. Staff have engaged with many important stakeholders, including tribal governments and other agencies throughout this project. We plan to have Pier 66 shore power in use by the 2024 cruise season. Our presenters this afternoon are um, Stephanie Jones-Stebbins, Managing Director for Maritime, Linda Springman, Director of Cruise Operations and Maritime Maritime Marketing and Mark Longridge, Capital Project uh, Manager. So with that, I'll turn over to Stephanie for some remarks. Yes, or I'm just going to say a couple, uh, couple short remarks. I'm sitting in the public testimony chair, so I'll be less than two minutes. <laughs> this project is uh, such an important one to me that I wanted to take the opportunity to say a couple words and to put this into context. Uh, Ocean-going vessels are three-fourths of um, the, our maritime greenhouse gas emissions. Such an important thing for us to address on our journey to decarbonization, and ocean-going vessels are a hard um, sector to address. Shore power is one of, of one of the ways that we can do that so effectively and that we've been leaders. This particular project will reduce about uh, 2,700 metric tons of carbon per year. So it's a really important part of our efforts and part of our commitment to the community. I also want to point out that uh, as our commissioners, you need to authorize every, all of our spending, even when the um, funding is coming from other places. So we are, we do have some grant funds already procured. I want you to know that we are very actively pursuing other grant fundings. And we're also, it's my absolute expectation that our long-term partner here will also be uh, contributing in a meaningful way. And we are still working on the details of that. Uh, we are here today. Uh, before uh, we are here today because it's absolutely critical that we uh, move forward now if we're going to hit the 2024 cruise season. Uh, so this is a critical path item. So thank you very much. I'm going to turn this over to Linda Springman, our Director of Cruise Operations and Maritime Marketing now, who is going to share a little bit more uh, details uh, with you and an overview. And then uh, Mark will also share. Thank you so much, Commissioners. Thanks, Stephanie. Good afternoon. Thanks, Commissioners. 
Um, and it, you can go ahead to the next slide. Uh, as you know, Pier 66 was commissioned as a cruise terminal in 1999 and as a single berth facility. It is our flagship as it was our first commissioned terminal and because of its prime location on our waterfront. Pier 66 is a home port to Norwegian Cruise Line in Oceania and is utilized occasionally for port of call en route to and from Vancouver, primarily due to its uh, prime downtown location. Next slide, please. As you know, one of our century agenda goals is to be the greenest and most energy efficient port in North America and to reduce air pollutants and carbon emissions. The, prov the provisioning of shore power for cruise ships is the port's greatest opportunity to reduce greenhouse gas emissions and improve local air quality. This effort results in installation of shore power at Pier 66 by 2024 cruise season, six years ahead of our Northwest Ports Clean Air Strategy goal of 2030 and makes 100% of our home port crews uh, peers shore power capable uh, uh, well ahead of this 2030 goal. You'll see this illustrated in our presentation a little bit later and as Stephanie recognized, um, it is our expectation based on preliminary discussions that our leasehold partner at Pier 66 Norwegian Cruise Line Holdings will be contributing to this effort and negotiations are underway uh, related to that outcome. Next slide. We're very fortunate in our region to have access to clean energy. Um, actual results of carbon reduction has been proven by ships currently using shore power at Terminal 91. Um, and cruise lines have demonstrated the commitment to connect when, uh, when the ability exists um, shoreside um, by bringing equipped vessels. Um, now I'll turn it over to Mark Longridge who will talk about the details of this uh, project. Thanks, Linda. Next slide, please. Commissioner's Executive Director. I'm Mark Longridge. I'm a Capital Project Manager with the Waterfront Project Management Team. I'd like to give you a little bit of an overview of our project and what we're requesting today, plus some orientation to the work we're trying to achieve. Our ultimate goal is to bring cruise shore, shore power to Pier 66, shown at the top of the map here. The origination point for this power from Seattle City Light is actually at the south end of Terminal 46, shown at point A towards the bottom of the figure, if you can make that up. The project will construct approximately 3,000 lineal feet of electrical duct bank on Terminal 46 to bring power from that southern source point to the seawall and also includes an extension to the north for future waterfront electrification sites such as Coleman Dock. Seattle City Light is covering the cost for that extension. Once we have power to the edge of Terminal 46 at point C shown, we're then installing a 6,100-foot cable, about six inches in diameter, out into Elliott Bay and bringing it back up to the south end of Pier 66. At Pier 66, our work is to install a transformer and electrical equipment to manage and distribute that power to the cruise ships when at berth. Our plan is to complete all of the work at Pier 66 outside of the regular cruise season. Next slide. Just over a year ago, we came to you for authorization to purchase the cable and electrical equipment, both very long lead items. We've now completed those purchases and they are in production now. We're completing the design now and finalizing the permitting with expected issuance this quarter. This work has included the efforts of many partners to make it happen, including the ones shown here on this slide. But I'd like to especially thank the efforts of Seattle City Light who've been instrumental in getting this work done. Next slide. As Steve mentioned, the project has been decommissioned twice before, once for design authorization and then again uh, to authorize the early procurement of both the cable and electrical equipment. 
Today we're asking for authorization to complete this work, including the advertisement of Major Works contract, to install the materials we purchased, and to complete the duct bank across Terminal 46. To do this, we're also looking to execute a memorandum of agreement with Seattle City Light, easements for the duct bank and cable, and tribal mitigation agreements for the in-water work. The request today is for $29,145,000 of a total project budget of $38 million. Next slide. That $38 million is the total gross, gross cost for all work, as Linda mentioned, for all components of the project and will be offset by several sources as indicated here. This includes Seattle City Light funding to reimburse the work to the north, uh, grant and state funding of almost $5 million and a contribution from Norwegian Cruise Lines that is currently in negotiation. Next slide. As I mentioned, we're doing everything we can to bring the system online for 2024 cruise season. We're completing our final design and permitting and plan to advertise the work this quarter and finalize the MOA with CL City Light as well. Port staff continue to work with Norwegian Cruise Lines on possible lease amendments to support the work, which will be brought to you under a separate commission action. We plan to open bids in April and site construction would start Terminal 46 in the third quarter of this year, finishing around the start of the cruise season for 2024. To be clear, there are still risks in the project, not the least of which are both sustained escalation and supply chain issues that we're facing, especially in electrical equipment. But we are doing everything we can to complete this work and bring the system online as soon as possible to be the first port in the nation with three shore power capable cruise berths. And with that, I'd be happy to answer any questions. Next Excellent. Time. Are there any questions for staff at this time from commissioners? Please let me know. Commissioner Calkins. Uh, so truth be told, when I got this memo and read through it, my initial feeling was a little bit of heartache, uh, or heartburn I should say, about the dollar value. $38 million is a lot of money, uh, particularly when uh, we had, years ago when we first introduced the item, the first sort of sticker price was about this much. And then as a result of very thoughtful uh, insights from our engineering team had um, cut that number in half, almost a third, down to almost a third of what the original was. Uh, by um, innovating the idea of doing a submarine cable instead of trenching along Alaska Way. And so to see the number back at that sort of original starting number was um, disconcerting. And as I dug into it and asked questions of staff, uh, I came to understand a little bit more about where those costs are coming from, um, higher costs associated with inflation on exceedingly um, intricate submarine cables, the additional need for mitigation, um, I think, I would include myself in this, we were a little bit too um, lax in thinking, uh, well, you, you know, it's out in the water, it's not really impacting anything when in fact um, those are uh, fishing grounds for our tribal partners, there's a lot of ecology we need to consider and so uh, we needed to bulk up that original proposal on that side of things. Um, but all that said, at $38 million, I began to think to myself, is this in fact the best way to spend this money if our higher order value is to reduce greenhouse gas emissions and to reduce local air particulate emissions. So I took those questions to, to Stephanie and others uh, to see what the what is the verdict on that. And I've been assured that given that this project has also attracted a lot of grant funding and because it is a partnership project with our tenants at that terminal, whether it's Norwegian, our current tenant, or some future tenant, 
it's really to be understood as an asset. Um, you know, I think when we, 10 years ago, if, if somebody had asked about shore power, shippers, cruise lines would have said, would have sort of shrugged their shoulders and said, I guess. But as they all enter into more and more agreements about their environmental responsibility, they're going to see ports that have shore power as contributing to their efforts, both internal efforts that they're holding themselves accountable to, but also requirements by the IMO or by communities in which they're operating to, to plug in when at birth, to burn cleaner when out uh, cruising, whatever it might be. And so this will become an attraction to them. And therefore, uh, what I am hoping today we signal, if and when we authorize this, is that the Port of Seattle is willing to put in our part. But we're also expecting that our cruise partners put in their part as well. And we will work vigorously to get local, state, federal funds to support this project because it is a project that has profound impacts for the communities that are impacted both locally from air particulate emissions but also globally from GHG. Uh, and so with that, in spite of my misgivings about the total project cost, I do think it is worth it. I think it's an important step for us to take. And it allows us to advance the larger project of getting to zero emissions crews as quickly as possible from the Port of Seattle. So I am going to support this. Thank you, Commissioner Calkins. Anyone else? Commissioner Hasegawa? I'm wondering, I mean, I, short power, I obviously am supportive of it. Um, but it's for naught if there's no one to plug the vessel in. And so given that T5's down there that we're still not really connecting, what are your thoughts on that? On them bringing ships that, that will plug in? Uh, yeah. I'm going to recognize um, Stephanie Jones Stebbins. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that, that's fine. I'll, I'll just say, Commissioner, that. Um, we, we have been plugging shore power, uh, ships into shore power for many years at Terminal 91, and we have negotiated those issues at, between the stevedore and the, um, between the stevedore and the uh, cruise ship line, and so we don't anticipate that same uh, issue that I think is pretty particular to T5, but that is a great thing for us to be very mindful of. Thank you. Okay, and you don't anticipate that that will be an issue here with uh, Pier 66? I do not. Thank yeah. you. If I can add to that, Stephanie, I, I believe it's more standardization in the cruise industry for the shore connection, the sh shore to uh, ship connection. I believe it's more standardized. The, the, there is, yes, more standardization. We see, uh, as we, as I said, we've seen the cruise ships successfully plugging into Terminal 91, and we are in communication with Norwegian Cruise Lines about the technology as well. Thank you. Excellent. Any other questions for the team? Yes. Go ahead, Commissioner Mohammed. I'm also looking forward to supporting this item today, and I think it's an important step towards our carbon reduction goals, and so I thank the team for your hard work on this. Um, my questions are around uh, the, the, grant, um, the grant fundings and the state fundings. So I know that those, you guys have identified dollars. Have any of those, um, are there applications that have already been submitted? How, many of, how much of that money has already been secured? Can I get a breakdown of that? Yeah, absolutely. I can speak to that a little bit. We have uh, existing grant funding that we've established um, actually uh, some time ago for the project. Um, we're now seeing applications uh, becoming available for the infrastructure grants. Um, we're at the stage where we're sort of late to the game. We're, we're a bit far ahead than, we, than other uh, agencies are because we're ready to advertise. 
So we're looking for opportunities for that. Um, we're tracking those. Uh, I know the port staff is looking for those um, opportunities to complete applications, but we don't want to necessarily slow down the progress of trying to get the system online to wait for those. So we have uh, $4.9 million worth of uh, grant and Washington State Department of Commerce funding currently, um, and we'll, we're certainly looking for opportunities to increase that. And do you know if in the, the governor's budget uh, proposal from this year, if, in, if Pier 66 was included, shore power for it? I do not. Pier 66. Uh, good afternoon, Commissioners and Executive Director Metric, Pierce Edwards, Senior Director of External Relations. To answer your question, Commissioner Mohammed, uh, no, there was no funding included in the Governor's budget for shore power for Terminal 66. Um, I will remind Commissioners that the NWSA, with our support, also in, uh, did uh, submit a budget um, request to the Governor for shore power at uh, Terminal 18, and that was not included in his budget proposal. So, no. Thank you for that question. answer. Mm -hmm. um, and then my other question is around uh, oversight. I think it is really important that we have shore power. And then I wonder about what sort of um, systems we'll have put in place to audit that. Um, I'm sure the cruise lines want to plug in. It, it's cost reduction for them. But how do you audit that process? Can someone speak to that? Yep. <laughs> Good chair dance here. Um, yes, we do. We do require um, uh, reporting on when cruise lines plug in after every call if they're plugging in. Um, we intend to have discussions about accelerating the requirement to bring ships that plug in, um, so that they are um, uh, living up to that. Um, and uh, they've they've expressed an interest already. We already do have some of the NCL ships calling at Pier 66 who are shore power capable. So they reported, and then you guys also. They, uh, the cruise lines report to us whether the ship plugged in at Pier 91 every, after every call. And how do you audit that? Um, we, uh, the, you can see you're acting in good faith. Yeah. 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 Okay. yeah. So we actually have personnel at the terminal. Uh -huh. Sorry, let me speak to we, we do have personnel at the terminal and I believe actually that our uh, part of what our staff does is, is uh, monitor stormwater best practices and also um, my understanding is that person also I mean it's plugged in or it's not it's yeah. it's 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 not it's easier to confirm than something else. to see yeah well thank you for it, those answers it, and I'm I would say we also can tell by the um, the, the the usage the electricity usage that is yeah whether it's used or not that during that call that's the way you yeah. wanted it <laughs> thank you for those answers and I'm looking forward to supporting this item today thank you all right any other questions or comments Commissioner Feldman hi thank you again I appreciate the long-term conversations we've had about cruise something I've been thinking about for since the first boat showed up in fact I shook the hand of the first president of the NCL and said welcome to Seattle we do it right here and he was looking at me 27 years ago. Who the heck is that? So, um, I, I so I fully support you know expanding the use of shore power. That this is sort of a no-brainer. I was calling for it while the roads were still being ripped up, and was hoping that we would be able to bury it at that time. But the um, the fact that staff found this clever alternative solution is great. And it's unfortunate that the price continues to expand. And um, but the the importance of uh, Pier 66, the value of 66 to NCL is, you know, extraordinary. It's the premier site 
on the waterfront. And the value of that site's only increasing with time as the waterfront transforms. So this is like a premier destination. However, it's also right smack in the middle of downtown Seattle. So emissions coming from those ships are having a disproportionate impact per capita because of the population exposure that's immediately there. There's also the visual aspects of, uh, of, a, of a smokestack. And, uh, and it's clear when they scrub, which is the alternative way of uh, meeting eco requirements where they would take heavy fuel oil and run water through the stack and you would see these large white plumes instead of dark plumes, um, is still quite a spectacle. And the public is not happy, when, especially when it's right downtown. And I always found it funny when we see photographs of ships with these big plumes, one would think that that would not be seen as aesthetic. Well, certainly the communities around the seaport do not. And so um, I, I would, uh, I'd also like to acknowledge the fact that the costs have been reduced because of the cleverness of the staff to find grants and also because of the partnership with City Light. And these are extraordinary efforts that, you know, cost escalation occur for many reasons, but it, your due diligence in trying to keep it down is greatly appreciated. And like I said, we're, there's nobody here that doesn't like shore power. So, um, but the, um, the, uh, I'm sorry. I, I guess I would like to um, acknowledge that uh, I would have preferred, given the size of this uh, request, that you already had an agreement with NCL coming into this conversation. I see you have inclusion of the negotiations are ongoing, and we've known this has been going on some time. However, I also know that NCL had recent change in leadership, so that could very much disrupt any commitments to be made at this moment in time. Um, but I would like for you to consider the following in your negotiations with whomever you now will have at the helm to talk to. <clears throat> I'd like for you to make it clear to NCL that there, any consideration of the extension of their lease, which is unique, the only cruise line that has a lease with the port, a long-term lease with the port, is NCL. So, um, so they have the luxury of that in the premier spot. And that any consideration of extending that shall be con contingent on their contribution towards this asset. And then once this asset is in place, that they will be required to use it for those ships that are so capable not sometime in the future, but upon completion, and most of their ships are modern and, and are shore power capable, despite what might have been represented previously. Now, and then finally, in the interim, as they've done this past year after some consternation from the public, to use ultra-low sulfur diesel, which is, uh, provides no visual appearance. Obviously, you'll see the heat, but you will not see from any distance the fact that they are actually running their engines at all. So those are the three considerations I'd ask, and I do appreciate all the work you continue to put into this. Excellent, thank you so much, Commissioner Fellman. Oh, 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 I'm sorry, I'm sorry. We did also talk about creating a dashboard. So yes. that when, when asking about, like, how do we confirm what is being used or not being used, there are various things, including some of the economic benefits and employment, all these things that at the end of each year and before the budget season is over, it would be good to hear what, what was accomplished, how many passengers, 
how much your power, et cetera, and so forth, so that we would know going forward how we're making progress. Excellent. Thank you, Commissioner Feldman. All right. Hearing no further questions for this item, is there a motion and a second? So moved. Second. Excellent. The motion was made and seconded. Clerk Hart, please call the roll for the vote. Commissioners, please say aye or nay, nay when your name is called. Thank you. Beginning with Commissioner Calkins. Aye. Thank you. Commissioner Fellerman. Aye. Thank you. Commissioner Hasegawa. Aye. Thank you. Commissioner Mohammed. Aye. Thank you. And Commissioner Cho. Aye. Thank you. Five ayes and zero nays for this item. Excellent. The motion passes. Thank you very much, team. Thank Thanks. you. All right, we are now moving to item 11, presentations and staff reports. Clerk Hart, please read the next item into the record. Executive Director Metric, please uh, introduce, will then introduce the item. Thank you, this is agenda item 11A, the federal legislative agenda for 2023. Commissioners, this is your first opportunity to provide comments on our proposed 2023 federal priorities. While a divided Congress will increase the challenges of passing major legislation in Washington, the port still has significant potential for progress on our key goals. Through grants, through partnerships with federal agencies, and through administrative rulemakings. We are also pleased to have, a strong, uh, to have strong relationships with our congressional delegation who have shown their deep commitment to working with the port on our priorities. I look forward to working closely with you and to advance our federal agenda throughout the year ahead. And our presenter is Eric Schinfeld, Senior Manager of Federal and International Government Relations and also the Acting Chief of Staff. Eric. All right, thank you very much, Executive Director Metric. Commissioners, good afternoon. Great to see you. Great to be here with you today. Uh, again, talking about the draft federal agenda for 2023. Uh, and next slide, please. Uh, just to give you a little bit of a preview of what we're going to do today. Uh, we're going to talk about what we achieved in 2022, look forward to the political environment of 2023, and then talk in some level of detail about our draft policy priorities. As you can see there, we think about them in four different buckets, and we'll go into more details later. Uh, of course, we'll accept your feedback and look towards commission approval later in the month. Next slide. Uh, so we always uh, start this presentation every year with our successes, not only because it is the performance review season, and I want my bosses to see this slide, uh, the previous slide, sorry about that. Uh, but yes, absolutely. You stepped on my joke, Michelle. Really, I, I it's very, very disappointing. I, I, I practiced so hard. <laughs> I have no controller. Yeah. Give me a moment. Uh, it's, yes, uh, th this is the sort of the guy with the giant uh, hook trying to pull you off stage. I just started, and already we're on my last slide. Yeah, so, thank you, commissioners, for your time today. It was great to be with you. Uh, I appreciate I'm your support go over to for the, the other federal computer. agenda. Give me a minute. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, because you have read in great detail the memo, you, you probably already know everything I'm going to say anyway. This was really just vamping to get Commissioner Calkins back. So I'll, I'll start again uh, and we'll, uh, we'll work from there. Great. He hasn't heard your joke, so it'll be new. Uh, it, it'll be, it'll be fantastic. Exactly. All right. What do you think about page seven, item 24? Uh, 2022 successes. You know, we always like to start uh, with the 2022 successes, not only because it's performance review season, and I want to make sure that my bosses are, are looking at this, uh, but also really to emphasize the incredible support that we've had over the last year, not only from the Biden administration, but specifically from the Washington congressional delegation. Uh, the, the support that we have from our members of Congress 
for the work of the port, leaning in to helping us achieve our goals is really spectacular. And none of what's on this list right here really would be possible without their support. Literally, they wrote many of the bills that we have asked for and, and were able to pass this year. Uh, obviously, we're in a time of uh, historic federal grant revenue availability. There has never been more money available. Uh, not only generally for infrastructure and decarbonization, but specifically for ports. Passage of the Inflation Reduction Act, billions of dollars for aviation and maritime decarbonization, the continued implementation of the bipartisan infrastructure law. Already, Seattle Tacoma International Airport has received $100 million from the bipartisan infrastructure law, so great success there, and, and uh, congratulations to everyone involved in that. And then at the end of the year, we were able to actually get four major bills passed. Uh, the National Defense Authorization Act, the Water Resources Development Act, MARAD reauthorization, and the Coast Guard reauthorization, all of which, as you can see there, had significant wins for the ports. You probably read the press release that we put out about this. Uh, I want to call out in particular uh, the work that we did with Representative Smith, who at the time was the chair of the House Armed Services Committee, to put into the National Defense Authorization Act a new pilot program requiring the U.S. Department of Defense to pick at least two military bases to plan for use of sustainable aviation fuels by 2028. At least one of those bases needs to be near a large commercial airport that is also pursuing sustainable aviation fuels by 2028. Uh, we are hopeful, working with Representative Smith and others, that that will be Joint Base Lewis-McChord. Uh, and of course, the reason for that is to really build out the regional SAF ecosystem and send that strong coordinated demand signal to the private sector to attract investment and, and make sure that we can have those fuels here in our region. Uh, and then finally, I want to call out, this is not just about funding and bills being passed, but also about partnerships with federal agencies. Uh, several of you were able to go to COP27 in Sharm el-Sheikh, Egypt this year because the State Department gave us passes to go and wanted to give us passes because they believe in our work and are excited about our work on green corridors. And we really look forward to continuing those partnerships, not only with uh, the State Department, but DOT, DOE, sorry, Department of Transportation, Department of Energy, Department of Defense, uh, really great opportunities to work with them to advance both our Alaska Cruise Green Corridor and also the Busan Shipping Green Corridor with the Northwest Seaport Alliance. Next slide. So obviously uh, you are well aware that we have a divided government in D.C. this year, Republican-controlled House of Representatives, Democratic-controlled Senate and uh, White House. And anyone who paid attention to the Speaker of the House drama last week knows that it is going to be incredibly challenging to pass bills out of Congress this year. And I, I want to say, obviously, we're not going to give up. We still believe there are opportunities to pass legislation this year. But you will hear and see that a large majority of our goals for 2023 are really on the executive side. Applying for grant funding, executive rulemaking, partnerships with federal agencies like I just mentioned, we can achieve a significant amount of our goals and mission and vision without any bills being passed by Congress. So we're really excited about moving forward. We're not going to just wave the, the white flag and say, don't do any federal work this year. Lots of opportunities there. On the, uh, on the legislative side, if there is an appropriations bill, maybe there will, maybe there won't be. Lots of opportunities there through both the earmark process and other programmatic spending to support our work. But also this year, both the FAA and the Farm Bill are required to have their reauthorization. Now, whether that happens or not, still an open question, but these are two major bills that 
in theory need to be passed and have a huge impact on our facilities and, and on our operations. FAA built, obviously, both because of operations and sustainable aviation fuels, but I think you also know that the Farm Bill, uh, the U.S. Department of Agriculture has huge role in SAF, not only on the feedstock side, but also in terms of their loans and loan guarantees for biorefineries and, and things like that. So uh, lots of opportunities. If there are bills passed, we'll continue to, to work on those bills. Even if the bills are not passed, we can still work to get bills introduced and get text into base bills that will help us in the long run. So we're gonna to continue to work on that. And then, like I said, again, plenty of opportunities on the executive side, grants and partnerships and rulemakings to, to make progress. Uh, and I wanna say again, that uh, the support of the Biden administration, the support of our congressional delegation is really key to that. And we feel really excited about that. I wanna thank the commission uh, for approving in the 2023 budget for the port, money to hire a contract grant writer. We know we're gonna need that. Uh, and we're looking forward to implementing that as quickly as possible. And then finally on this slide, one last thank you to the Washington Congressional Delegation. Uh, this is probably, in the, at least in the last 50 years, the most powerful and well-positioned Washington Congressional Delegation ever. Uh, too bad there won't be a lot of bills passed, but even without that, they can help us impact agency work, impact the administration's work. So you can see here, uh, Chair of the Appropriations Committee in the Senate, Chair of the Senate Commerce Committee, ranking member on House TNI, on House Armed Services, uh, I should have called out here as well, uh, Representative Jayapal is the chair of the Progressive Caucus. Uh, so we're just really well positioned to work with our delegation. And again, so grateful that they really care and are passionate about the work of the port. Next slide. So we have uh, 50 different priorities uh, in this list. And, and as Steve Metrick would say, if you have 50 priorities, you have no priorities. Uh, but, but I really do believe that it's important to show you this laundry list because th this laundry list of 50 priorities really speaks to the depth and breadth of scope of what we care about as the port. Obviously, we care about operations and infrastructure. Now we, we're really clear we care about sustainability and, and community and equity. But we need to be showing up in all these areas, not only the traditional areas, but the unexpected areas to really be impactful and really uh, have a voice at the national level to impact these policies. So we do have these 50. Now, if you said to me, Eric, uh, of those 50, what are your top 10? I would say commissioners. I already wrote this slide. Uh, and here are our top 10. Here's how we think about prioritizing our 50 priorities. Uh, and you'll see here again, these are our four categories that we think about. Infrastructure and transportation, obviously. Uh, a lot on federal funding for our infrastructure projects, but also federal staffing, CBP, TSA, FAA, et cetera. And addressing regulatory issues like, for example, environmental reviews of our major projects and facilities. On the decarbonization and sustainability side, again, grants and partnerships, Green Quarter we talked about. Uh, I wanna obviously call out PFAS and the tra transition from uh, PFAS containing firefighting foams. Uh, Chief Krauss and, and our environmental staff have done an amazing job positioning us to be successful here, but there's still a lot of work at the federal government relations level in terms of not only approving these PFAS alternatives, but also implementing the regulatory process. And we're really hoping this year in the FA reauthorization bill to put into place what we call a national transition plan that would really set a strategy for efficiently rolling out and allocating these new foams as they come online. Uh, other regulatory issues, we just had some great success at the end of this past year, working with the Army Corps to not only help them do their work, uh, but also allow us to support them in doing their work. Uh, and of course, our work in providing funding and other partnerships around southern resident killer whales, particularly around underwater noise. 
Uh, on the community and equity side, uh, we'll talk in just one slide about our really important work on aircraft noise and emissions. Uh, and also our other work on equity, I think immigration is a great example of that. We talked a great length earlier about human trafficking and the partnership we now have with USDOT, uh, the speech and the remarks that Commissioner Cho will give both the DOT and Department of Homeland Security in a few weeks. So lots of opportunities there to again continue to move forward and highlight our leadership there. Uh, and we'll also talk about ways we can get additional federal funding and partnerships for economic development, tourism promotion, workforce development programs. Next slide, please. So again, I, I'm not going to take a lot of time here to go through all 50 of the priorities, although I would be happy to do so if you want me to. Uh, I'll just call out a couple of things on each of these slides. On this slide on infrastructure and transportation, the things that I didn't mention earlier uh, are grant funding for high-speed rail and grant funding for electric vehicle infrastructure. Uh, there are going to be this year a, a number of major grant opportunities to apply. On the high-speed rail, it will be a state application that we'll be a supportive partner on. On the electric vehicle infrastructure side, we will be applying directly and with some partners both for our aviation and maritime facilities. So uh, really looking forward to pursuing funding uh, that will really help us move forward on our priorities on that front. Next slide. On the decarbonization and sustainability side, again, we talked about grant funding and partnerships. Uh, Executive Director Metric mentioned the application for the hydrogen funding that we're going to be really deeply involved in. Uh, and the other two things I will say on this slide are the words offshore wind and kelp continue to be part of our federal priorities and want to make sure that that's highlighted as well. Next slide. So I mentioned earlier that I want to talk about our aircraft noise and emissions policies. And we've done so much work over the last few years through the START Committee and the START Federal Policy Working Group to identify with our six airport cities what are our shared priorities as it relates to aircraft noise and emissions. And we've been able to come up with a really strong list of what those policies are. The, the way to achieve these policies is to pass them through the FAA, FAA reauthorization bill this year. And so one of the things we're planning on doing this year is doing a DC fly-in with the port and the six cities together, shoulder to shoulder, going to DC, talking to our congressional delegation and others about why we believe these priorities are important and impactful and why they should be in the FAA reauthorization bill. We're looking around an April timeframe for that uh, and really excited to share more information as that plan develops and involve y'all in that process. Uh, want to call out just four things that are on this list just to make sure that they're, they're noted. Uh, the first three on that list are bills that we've worked uh, in partnership with Representative Smith to develop and introduce. Uh, the first one has to do with uh, looking at ultrafine particulates uh, and a federal study to understand how the federal government can better address ultrafine particulates coming from aircraft. The second is a bill that would allow for funding for secondary noise insulation for uh, noise packages that have quote unquote failed, and we can talk about what that means. And the third bill from Representative Smith actually would bring the EPA back into the mix for addressing aircraft noise and emissions issues, which they used to a long time ago and we think is really appropriate. Uh, and then finally, number four, we've talked at great length that we, we believe that it is well past time for the FAA to set a process and a deadline for review and action of the current 65 DNL noise contour metric. Uh, and we've put that uh, onto our priority list as well. We, we have a more detailed letter that we sent at the end, of last, that, of the end of last year signed by the port and the six cities detailing these priorities in greater detail. Happy to share that with you. You haven't seen it already. And again, this is what we'll bring to DC in April or May to share with our delegation, ask for their support for including this in the FAA reauthorization bill. Next slide. 
So last group here, again, trade, economic development, and workforce development. Uh, again, these are all areas where we think that we can make significant progress without any legislative work whatsoever. Grant funding, uh, work by USTR to negotiate and reevaluate tariffs, uh, certainly working with USDOT and others to uh, create better working conditions for drayage drivers, supporting the North Pacific fishing fleet, promoting tourism. Uh, and so we could go into much greater detail there but if, if you want to and if you have questions about that. So these are our priorities. Last slide here. Uh, let me just say in conclusion, obviously we are uh, looking forward to getting any feedback you have between now and the next meeting. We are hoping that you will approve this uh, at the next meeting because the timing works out perfectly. Commissioner Cho will be in D.C. right after that meeting. Great opportunity for him to be you know, fresh off the presses, uh, meet with our congressional delegation, share what our priorities are, uh, and then obviously get their support for them. And then just a couple of examples here where the real work will be working with all five of you and Executive Director Metric going to D.C., going to other forums, both domestically and internationally, to advocate for these priorities, to find ways to move these priorities forward. Uh, listing just a few here, in March, all three of our industry associations have their D.C. fly-ins. April, we're looking at that port cities, airport cities, noise and emissions fly-in. Uh, AWB has a fly-in in D.C. Uh, and we'll talk more on Thursday at your retreat. We have a whole list of domestic and international opportunities for you to engage in federal and international policy advocacy to help support these policy priorities. So uh, I will stop talking there. Uh, thank you so much for the time. And of course, happy to answer any questions or take any suggestions for the federal agenda. Excellent. Thank you so much, Eric. I'll open up comments and questions for com from commissioners at this time. Commissioner Calkins, go ahead. Thanks. Uh, a couple of comments. Uh, first, I, I want to say that as I look back on 2022, uh, a couple of the highlights of the year for me were your department, getting to travel with you to D.C. for one of these fly-ins. Uh, and I say that in all seriousness. Um, it was uh, an extraordinarily well put together trip. Um, we were from end to end filled with great meetings with congressional delegations and, and a surprise meeting with Veronica. It was Thanks. great to see her again. Um, I also want to mention uh, how important the uh, relationship between you and Ryan McFarland has been in achieving so many of these maritime-related goals, Ryan being of the Northwest Seaport Alliance and being able to work hand-in-glove on issues that matter to, to both the port and to the Northwest Seaport Alliance. A couple of comments as we deliberate on this document. Uh, the first, you know, I. I, when I reflect on um, what we're trying to do as a commission and at the executive leadership level, we're really trying to think about how do we grow the economy around here. Uh, and that seems audacious, but that's really what the port is for. Is, you know, we, Seattle is what it is because uh, people used it as a harbor uh, to move goods and people. And that continues to be our driving mission is how do we grow the economy? And uh, we want to do so in an equitable and sustainable way. But stepping back and thinking about where are opportunities for growth in our economy, um, we are the voice for foreign trade in our region. And um, in the 1960s, the Port of Seattle played a leadership role in developing a trade relationship with China. Uh, we now have an opportunity, I think, to, to uh, deepen and expand the trade relationship with India. And uh, I think it's particularly germane this year in, in 2023 as India will surpass China as the world's most populous country. We already have a great um, local community uh, connected to South Asia. Um, and uh, it is the world's largest democracy. And so there is an opportunity to uh, diversify our 
uh, trade partnerships um, with a country that is emerging as a global powerhouse economically. And so I, I don't know that it necessarily needs to be called out, but I do think um, how we are talking with our congressional delegation about trade opportunities, the lifeblood of the Washington economy, is really important. And, and I, so I think we need to be sharing with them how critical we think that opportunity with South Asia is. And then, as you suspect, I do want to talk about offshore wind. Uh, it is listed here appropriately under the environment slide. But the deeper I get into this, the more I realize it's really economic development and trade as well. Uh, the, the development of Pacific offshore wind, and not just on the west coast of the United States, but in East Asia in particular, Korea, Japan, and China have all set ambitious goals for floating offshore wind, the very technology that we will use on the west coast of the United States, means that there's an opportunity for two-way trade uh, where each partner will be producing the thing that is best suited for their economy, whether that's you know, our advantage in Washington State uh, in aerospace and advanced manufacturing may be that we can support Japan and Korea's audacious goals for offshore wind development in their own waters. And again, that is a federal policy that we need to be thinking about, is how are we encouraging trade around this emerging industry that the Biden administration thinks will, by 2035, represent $110 billion in economic activity in the United States. It's especially pertinent because we are, uh, we just saw last month the uh, auction of five call areas in California for a total of $757 million, uh, at least 20% of which can go back into local content, including developing workforce in Washington State, manufacturing facilities in Washington State, ports and logistics facilities in Washington State, specifically to support California. If we never have a turbine off the coast of Washington, which is yet to be determined, we are in a great position to support the development of that of that uh, industry. And so I think we need to be thinking about this year, how are we talking to our congressional delegation about what Washington State can do to develop the supply chain to support offshore wind in California and Oregon? And with that, I will cede the floor. Great. Thank you, Commissioner Calkins. Anyone else? Questions or comments? OK, all right, we'll start out from the left and go right. Commissioner Mohammed, go ahead. I am left-handed. Um, Eric, I always appreciate your presentations and there's a lot of just great information that is in here. Um, one of the things that I heard you say loud and clear is that there's not legislation that's going to be passing this year, but that there is a lot of opportunity for us to focus on applying for federal grants and securing those grants and I'm, I'm glad that you are going to have um, an additional person to, to support those efforts. Um, I also see in the uh, top priority uh, policy priorities, um, slide five includes community and equity and calls out uh, aircraft noise and emissions, um, but not maybe specifically sound installations. And I think that that is really important, um, prioritizing that out of the federal infrastructure bill. To me, there was a lot of emphasis around equity, and like you said, there's so much money coming to our state um, around infrastructure and being able to center the places where we're growing the most around, the people that will be impacted the most, has to be front and center in, in this work. It has to happen at the same time. It's the least that we can, we can do. And it's, um, you know, I, I know that you had in here that um, Congressman Adam Smith has uh, a bill for 
the Rep Repair and Replacement Program Act, and I think that is really great. Um, we've heard from our, our constituents who've had sound installations in many stories on the importance of repairing uh, those, those installations, and there's some work being done and talk around that. But the, to me, there's, there's still a, a really big issue here that we need to make sure that our federal delegation is supporting us around is a lot of those homes that have not gotten installated, the 140 single-family homes that haven't been installated, 900 apartments that haven't been installated in South King County, and it is millions of dollars that we need to secure to get that done. And so I'm wondering how um, we're going to ensure that that is uh, front and center. Um, whether that is in applying for those grants or, you know, working with our delegation and ensuring that they're helping us secure as much dollars as possible. Um, and so, yeah, I wanted to. Yeah, absolutely. No, thank, thank you for that. And, and I agree with you 100%. It's been so rewarding to work through the START Committee with our six cities to really I think surprise a lot of folks and say, actually, we share a lot of these priorities. We want to get this work done. Here are some of the policies that can help us get this work done better and give the FAA more tools and flexibilities and resources to get their side of the work done as well. Uh, there, uh, over the last few years, have been significant increases in appropriations for the Airport Improvement Program, which is the FAA grant program that funds sound insulation among other infrastructure. Uh, and we've had really positive conversations with them just over the past few years getting additional millions of dollars to expedite some of the sound insulation program uh, right now there's some supplemental AIP money out there I was just talking to our airport staff about potentially we could apply for the houses of worship program to get that kicked off uh, and so I, I think our congressional delegation, particularly Representative Smith, Senator Murray, Senator Cantwell, Representative Jayapal, they understand this is a priority. They're hearing from us and the representatives, the residents of those cities. And I think it's even more powerful when it's not just the residents, but us standing shoulder to shoulder with those residents saying, this is important, we have to get this done. So uh, I do believe that the money is out there. I think we're doing a, a really great job already, but we can even do more. Uh, and that's absolutely part of our goals with the grant funding applications and with some of these bills that will increase funding opportunities for us. Thank you. Um, that's really helpful, and I'm, I'm glad that you're continuing to have those conversations and making sure that that is um, a continued priority. Uh, do you imagine that there will be hearings on maybe even sound installation through one of the committees? Bills are not being passed, but are there opportunities to be able to bring these issues front and center? So, so I believe that there will be an FAA bill that comes out of the House Transportation Infrastructure Committee and comes out of the Senate Commerce Committee. And again, those are committees, those are the committees of jurisdiction for the FAA bill, uh, and those are happen to be committees where our members of Congress are leaders. And so my goal, our goal, is to have hearings on those issues, to have part of those FAA bills, the base text, include some of these key policy priorities related to aircraft noise and sound insulation and aircraft emissions. And I, I feel pretty optimistic that we can get that make that happen. Whether or not those bills, once they get out of committee, then go on and get passed by the House and the Senate and, and get signed by the President, that's obviously a bigger challenge and that depends on how functional the House is and your guess is as good as mine on that. But I do think we will make progress. And even though uh, it's not everything, I think making progress this year really, really helps us down the line because eventually we will have a functional House and eventually we will, re we will return to passing bills. Might take 15 votes. Yeah, 15 <laughs> or more. 
right. more. I, I, I appreciate that, yeah. and I, I'm looking forward to, to supporting that as much as possible. I think it is really important that um, if we're talking about growing our airport and securing these federal dollars, that really sound installations has to be yes. at the center of that. And so any opportunities, whether it's through hearings and other ways, I think when we elevate this issue even at the federal level, there's a lot of action that can be done at, at the state level. And so um, we got to continue to push harder there. Thank you. That concludes my Excellent. questions. Thank you, Commissioner Mohammed. Commissioner Hazagawa. Thank you. Earlier this year, we identified the Ports Drug Interdiction Fund as an untapped pot of money, citing some potential restrictions including at the federal level that might need some adjustments or changes for us to be able to more creatively or effectively spend those funds. Um, earlier today, I had shared the statistic that um, human trafficking is the second largest and fastest growing underground economy, with the largest being the trafficking of guns, and, um, arms trafficking. And so it makes sense, and we talked about how we would use that drug interdiction fund to reinvest um, into the fight against drug trafficking. So I don't know if the legwork has taken place to identify what federal change needs to happen, but I am noticing that it's not incorporated here in our advocacy agenda. That, that, thank you for calling that out. I'll, I'll get with Pete and find out if, if there's a, a, a tweak, whether it's at the legislative level or the regulatory level, we're more than happy to pursue that and add that to the agenda. And I'd also like to ask that you include Director Ryder in that conversation conversation as well. Thank you. Thank you, Commissioner Hazegawa. Uh, Commissioner Fellman. Thank you much. I uh, wanted to just build on what uh, Commissioner Mohammed said about a hearing. Hmm. You know, given the likelihood of passage this year, perhaps we could advocate for a field hearing hmm. so that we can have communities that are exposed to this issue and it's his district and things like that might be a way in which we can elevate it to create the Great. community support for that. Um, I, I have just uh, maybe three issues. One, I, I really, of course, in the Puget Sound Restoration section, one of my favorites, um, that uh, the uh, engaging federal agencies with this SRKW, I don't know what that stands for, Southern Resident Killer Whale um, is a very nice thing to have called out. Having done that, though, I am and I've raised this before, both here and at the Alliance. Uh, the uh, item A under Puget Sound Restoration is couched within the killer whale. And so we have a call out on the killer whale. The items that we're calling for here and the uh, legislative support we're asking for um, pertain to Puget Sound recovery, which, yes, will benefit the killer whale. But to, to say advocate for increased federal resources for Puget Sound and Southern killer whale restoration, and then everything is for contaminants that affect killer whales, for fish that affect killer whales. It sort of strikes me that it could be, you know, support, which is just the last sentence, support appropriations of the Puget Sound Nearshore Restoration Project, Estuary Program, Puget Sound Geographic Program, Pacific Salmon Recovery Fund, you know, to advance Puget Sound restoration, including support for restoration, yada, yada, yada. It's just, you should do these things whether or not the killer whales are extinct yet. Did I say that? Yeah. yeah. So anyway, ah. we call out the killer whale in a yes. whole separate item, so. Point well taken. I don't know. Okay. Absolutely. So uh, anyway, that, and because and it's sort of like greenwashing to me. I, I, I take, I want the whale to be used where it belongs, mm. and, we, and we call for it appropriately in its own standalone item. Um, anyway, so that, that is the one thing. In, in uh, conversations that I've had, 
at length with Commissioner Calkins about offshore wind. The, um, the thing that I'm always sensitive to is our support for offshore wind does not uh, assume any role in our identifying siting for offshore wind. And that you know, we don't have the organizational uh, expertise, nor do we have the constituent uh, feedback, right? And so, and, and, and the Biden administration, everybody's very robust, and we can imagine that every call area possible will be eventually explored. But I, I don't want to conflate our support for the port's role, significant role, that it could play in logistical capabilities and tapping our, our local expertise to be seen as promoting any one call area. And, and so, um, and I was trying to think about, I thought I had it fixed until you came up with that very clever two-way trade issue. So what I was, what I think was a very simple modification was um, for projects under review by BOEM, support key pieces of legislation that advance, mm -hmm. right? So BOEM has already decided on the site. So that just prejudges, you know, but if indeed you're gonna now talk about us supporting projects that are going on in the Far East, that then makes that simple amendment difficult. But perhaps you know my concern, perhaps you have a better way to articulate it. Commissioner Calkins, go ahead. Yeah, um, fully supportive, and, and I, that has been one of the biggest struggles for me as I advocate for the role we might play in supply chain, supporting projects that have been duly vetted, knowing that uh, regularly people conflate that with well, isn't there speculation about offshore wind in Washington? We are not institutionally supporting that. We have no role in determining that. That is a conversation amongst coastal communities, tribes, fisheries, other co-users uh, of that. And that would be putting the cart well before the horse for us to weigh into that. That said, it seems to me from the economic angle, two of the biggest component parts of the supply chain for offshore wind are areas where Washington State that have very little bearing, uh, that where the geography of the installation has very little bearing on it, which is shipbuilding, because it requires unique ships. And so, you know, the, the really robust shipbuilding industry we have here in, in Washington State, uh, in part based on the Jones Act, uh, will stand to benefit from offshore wind in the Gulf, in the East Coast. And in fact, we already have shipbuilders bidding on offshore wind vessels for those markets have nothing to do with any of the markets on the West Coast. And in addition to that, I, I genuinely believe there's opportunities because of our aerospace advanced manufacturing to support foreign installations of offshore wind. So if, the, if we can kind of wordsmith that a little bit, I am wholehearted and I'm really glad you call that out because I think that is really important that our stakeholders know that it needs to be done in a responsible way that brings all stakeholders to the table before any siting question happens. So perhaps you can help me with this uh, language. So the way it reads currently, it says, just support key pieces of legislation that advance offshore wind industry, which now, and then it says, particularly, but obviously not exclusively, but with, you know, emphasis on ways to create opportunities for Pacific Northwest to become a leader in manufacturing assembly, yada, yada, which, you know, and it doesn't matter whether it's off the Washington coast or anywhere in the country, as I completely support that idea. So all I was suggesting was for projects that were already under review, so it doesn't presume we've had, we're not, we're not um, supporting legislation to advance offshore wind industry that, you know, puts a thumb on the siting of someplace, someplace. Yeah. So, so, I mean, so that's where I'm just saying, you know, for sites that are under review, we are standing ready to help as we can. 
that makes sense. So I just thought it was a little too broad the way it was written. Great, awesome. Well, thank you so much, Eric, for your presentation and for, uh, uh, for coming. Um, I'll uh, go ahead and uh, read the next item into the record. Please, Clerk Hart and Executive Director will then introduce the item. Thank you, this is agenda item 11B, Tourism Development Briefing. And noting for the record that Commissioner Calkins is exiting the meeting. Commissioners, tourism and travel is an integral part of our state's economy. Visitors generate significant economic benefits to households, businesses, and government alike, and represent a critical driver of Washington's future. The port has been a longtime leader in the space and, and is finding new ways to make progress, such as our new responsible tourism work. This briefing provides an update on the initials carried out with investments made by Commission to Support Tourism Promotion, a comprehensive summary of the 2022 Tourism Marketing Support Program, promotional efforts, recovery efforts with Washington Tourism Alliance, and the 2023 priorities for the tourism team. Presenters this afternoon are Dave McFadden, McFadden Managing Director, Economic Development Division, and Nick Leon, uh, Leonti. That's it. Get this is uh, sorry, Nick. I just call you by your first name there. So, but, uh, <laughs> uh, Director of Tourism Development. Um, so, with that, I'll turn it over to Dave. Thank you, Executive Director Metric, and good afternoon, Commissioners. Um, we're excited to be here to really highlight our work that we've done over the past year to promote tourism, to articulate some of the key trends um, that will shape our work going forward, and to highlight our priorities for this year, and really set the stage uh, for a couple upcoming requests. We have two commission authorization requests, one for our grant program that'll be at your next meeting, and another one to help rebuild international travel coming to you in February. So let's go to the next slide, and I think I just covered that one, what we're gonna cover today, and so we did that. Let's go to the next slide, and as you know, we have been on a wild ride over the last couple of years. Um, these are our trends, but I titled it Tourism Trends because, the, you know, <laughs> that's the ride that tourism and travel has been on too. And as much as we've bounced back and tourism has bounced back, there are many challenges that still remain. And so um, what I'd like to do at this point, though, is turn it over to Nick Leonti. Um, he's our new tourism, our newer tourism director. He came to us in June and he's gotten off to a really good start. He got here in time to help us secure a great keynote speaker for our Responsible Tourism Summit. And he's also done a really good job of building relationships with our key partners. And so with that, Nick, uh, we're glad you're here and the show is yours. Great. Well, yeah, thank you so much, Dave. I really appreciate that. And um, I'm really pleased to be here in front of you for the first time, Commission. Um, uh, hopefully not, not for the last time. Hopefully I'm getting many more of these year in review uh, about tourism development uh, briefings. Um, you know, I just moved up here six, six months ago when I took the job. I actually moved, made the move in August from California. I was previously with Visit California. Um, and I'm a lifelong Californian up until up until August. So being able to come up here, um, you know, with 20 years of destination marketing under my belt, and to view Seattle and Washington, um, not just 
through the eyes of a new resident, but also ha seeing it how, a, how a visitor would see it, and, um, and then through the lens of our tourism industry. So it's been a really great um, experience for me to get to know the area. Um, big thanks to Dave and, and my team, Patty and Gail, you know, uh, getting me up to speed, and, and my colleagues, um, State of Washington Tourism, uh, Visit Seattle, and all our other tourism industry partners who have been so welcoming to me. It's just uh, thrilled to be here and um, looking forward to what the future holds. Um, but let's dive into um, to the next slide, please. We'll start there. Um, this is just a comparison. These stats are from the um, United States Travel Association. It's actually comparing October 22 to pre-pandemic October 2019. I think the number that stands out here is that overseas arrival number. You can see that's really where um, that's been the most sluggish part of the tourism economy to recover. I'll, on a later slide, we'll get into international tourism and how important that is to the full recover, recovery of our industry. Obviously, we had a spike in domestic leisure travel, as pretty much everyone did during the pandemic, but now we're getting back into seeing that importance of international travel. Um, next slide, please. Um, I wish I could take credit for this, but this happened prior to my arrival, the Tourism Recovery Initiative with the State of Washington Tourism and Dave Blanford, who spoke earlier. Um, the, the state's office, just having recently come back um, from a hiatus, um, the, the port contributed $1.5 million to um, you know, keep, the, keep the wheels rolling during the pandemic, during that rocky time when we weren't sure what the future was holding. So they were able to do campaigns, uh, work within the travel trade, engage within the, the markets to uh, keep things afloat. Here are just a few of the campaigns that um, the Tourism Recovery Initiative uh, supported. Um, this was in addition to be able to attend trade shows and host media and fam trips um, in the area. Um, and it was such success, we're looking to uh, con continue this partnership in the future and even expand that to, um, so that as we see the international markets return. Um, next slide, please. Um, the Responsible Outdoor Travel Summit was a highlight of the past years. Commissioner Fellman was instrumental in bringing that to the table, and Commissioner Hasegawa, as you can see in the photo, was a big part of that as well. Um, and really, responsible outdoor travel is part of the bigger picture of destination stewardship and responsible travel overall, which is a main focus for not just us here, but the tourism industry as a whole. Um, uh, destination stewardship is critically important to ensure that the tourism economy um, remains an engine for, for all Washingtonians, you know, to bring that positive impact of the industry to, to our region. Um, and as tourism recovers from the pandemic slowdown, you know, people begin to travel in greater numbers, and we'll be able to see um, you know, tourism's industry's long-term viability, which really depends on the ability to pr protect, preserve, and promote the traveler experience, in, in addition to protecting our outdoor lands. Um, obviously, our region is a magnet for outdoor enthusiasts, which was the um, why we uh, were focused on responsible outdoor travel. This is a one-day conference with over 100 attendees, um, with a real focus on protecting those outdoor lands, and also a focus on inclusivity in outdoor recreation. And what we learned in that conference, we will be using to uh, further our responsible travel initiatives in the future. Um, including a focus on our, our grant programs, um, which if we can go to the next slide, I will. So the, we have two separate tourism grant programs. One is the Spotlight Advertising Program, which provides free ad space at the airport for our industry partners. Um, 
obviously driving that utilization of port facilities is important there. And there's the, um, the other one is the Tourism Marketing Support Program, which is a two-to-one matching grant um, up to $10,000 for particip participants. So if they contribute the 5K, the port will uh, provide up to that $10,000 number. Um, and we're putting more and more emphasis on advancing the responsible, sustainable, and cultural tourism through those programs. Um, if we can go to the next slide, it provides um, a high-level overview of those two programs. Um, and the, the dollar values attached to, to, to those. We will be, as Dave mentioned, looking to um, get approval for the Tourism Marketing Support, support Program, the $200,000 number. Um, I believe this will be the ninth year that that program is in um, operation, and that'll be part of the consent agenda on the next uh, for the next meeting on the 24th. Um, we can go to the next slide and see some examples of what these programs have um, uh, produced this year. These are some of the ads that ran at the airport in the free ad space. You can see we use the um, airport logo on these. Um, the next slide, please. I think there's one more example. Yes. Yeah, so this is for. You see there's de destination marketing organizations, museums, other attractions are able to um, apply for these free ads. Um, next slide, please. We'll just go through these quickly. This focuses on the Tourism Marketing Support Program. Here are some examples for that. These are the types of programs that are funded through that grant program. Um, you get um, some advertorial content there for the National Nordic Museum and their Christmas festival. Um, so there's digital campaigns, there's social media. The Seattle Makes example here is actually a printed rack card that is in over uh, 200 locations statewide, including the airport and other port facilities. Um, next slide, please. Um, Amy Nessler was part of our public comment today from Visit uh, San Juan Islands. Uh, this is the project that she mentioned where she, they worked with the Black Travel Alliance to bring in content creators um, to, um, they, they produce blog posts, social media posts, lots of interaction. Um, and those are j just a quick look at some of the programs that, um, that the TMSP program has been able to fund this past year. Um, and again, with more emphasis on these types of responsible travel and DEI-focused activities going into the future. Um, and we can go to the next slide, please. So now back to international tourism, which again, um, the tourism industry as a whole won't recover until international tourism comes back. Um, right now we're in some key markets. We've returned to the UK, to Germany. Um, we're just in, we're in the RFP process with Australia right now. Um, and those are key markets that have, have been that have rebounded, that are getting close to those pre-pandemic numbers, which is why, and that's why they're such great markets for us here. Um, you know, international travel didn't reopen up, reopen until November of 2021. So it was kind of getting those wheels rolling in 2022 as far as the travel industry on the international scale. Um, we had some sales missions and trade shows that we were able to go to, but 2023 will really see the full slate of those um, ac uh, trade activities return. Um, and hosting familiarization trips is always a big part of what we do. That's the best way to educate the travel trade about our destination. Um, we get people on the ground here to experience it firsthand, then they can return to their markets and better share um, those destinations. Um, so that'll, that's a big part of what we've done in the past and what we will do in the future. And our, our key messaging uh, remains around cruise and stay. 
which is uh, encouraging those cruisers to add uh, days to their stays before and after their cruise, which is especially important in the international market because they have you know, more vacation time. It's a bigger trip for them. They're really able to add those um, days before and after. And we, uh, as I'm sure you've all heard mentioned many times, those international visitors are so important because they, they stay longer, they spend more, they visit off-peak times, um, and they visit both urban and rural areas. They can really get, dig into a destination. Um, so that's why we're so focused on international and why we're focused on our partnership with Visit Seattle and the state of Washington tourism moving forward to make the most of our international efforts. Um, next slide, please. Here's a, a glimpse at the cruise and stay guide. I actually have the potential final version of this sitting in my inbox right now that I need to review. Um, this is uh, the first time we've printed this guide in three years. It, it is our main print uh, marketing piece that we'll bring with us to trade shows, sales missions, trainings. Um, wherever we go, we bring the cruise and stay guide and that cruise and stay messaging um, along the way. Um, next slide. Some, uh, a couple of video productions that we were involved in this year in generating positive publicity. We were able to have the travel show Traveling with Danella um, produce a half hour program or 22 minutes officially, um, which is uh, available to tens of millions of viewers through streaming uh, platforms in addition to over the air broadcasts aired here locally many times. Um, so that was great, great to have her here. We also had the story of art in America, which was a very culturally focused art program about Seattle artists that is available streaming that the port was involved with organizing as well. Uh, currently getting over 4,000 views per month through Amazon Prime. Um, next slide, please. Um, just a little more of our work with the media, earned media values you can see in our, our key international markets here. Um, we only had partial year in some of these markets because of uh, you know, we didn't have in-market representation at the time. Um, this, the, the photo here is from an article that ran in the Daily Mirror uh, during the holidays. So this is the type of uh, coverage we're able to get and the reach we can have um, by hosting writers and editors to Seattle uh, and the state and getting these, this great coverage internationally, which helps keep um, the state um, top of mind for potential visitors and throughout the travel trade. Um, and then the next slide, please. So looking forward to 2023, these are our priorities for the upcoming year. Um, really want to promote responsible and inclusive travel in, in everything that we do, but especially through those through that port grant program that we'll be looking for approval for on the, on the 24th. Um, and then we're looking to, again, work on the international, on the global scale of tourism with Visit Seattle and State of Washington Tourism as the large organizations with an international reach, um, we're able to bring those benefits to all the uh, partners throughout the state as well. So we're really looking to uh, solidify that relationship moving forward uh, to make the most of our international efforts. And of course, cruise and stay messaging will continue to be top of mind um, to drive you know, support to the port gateways and um, uh, make sure we're maximizing those the impact that the uh, cruise market can have on the area by having them add additional days before and after their their cruises. I, I feel like I blasted right through that, but I 
I think I'm handing it back over to you now. Yeah, you? next slide, please. <laughs> so that, that brings us back to the surface. I just wanted to share what's on the horizon. Yes, we are going to bring back a request for authorization for the 2023 grant program at the next meeting. And then in February, request authorization for international marketing initiatives. And what that does set the stage, we'll select our tourism grant recipients, get them going in March, quarterly have spotlight advertising, and the international marketing continues year-round. And so um, we're excited about the year ahead. I'm very pleased with the accomplishment we've made over the last year. And uh, at this point, happy to answer your questions. Yes. Thank you. Excellent. Thank you very much for the presentation. I'll open it up for comments and questions from commissioners. All right, Commissioner Mohammed. Well, I just first of all want to say thank you for the, the presentation. Um, this is really helpful information you've shared. Um, and what I love the most about the tourism presentation and programs that you guys have in place is making sure that you're promoting responsible travel and making sure that that is being done in a sustainable way. Um, and, you know, sometimes when I talk about international travel, I'll talk about travel to the continent of Africa and some will say, well, climate change is happening and there's climate refugees and, you know, there's so many issues that are happening um, that you shouldn't promote um, uh, international travel to the continent of Africa as if I can stop that from happening. Um, I just recently, there was um, a huge concert that happened in Ghana. Uh, it was Afrochella, mm -hmm. and it turned out over 50,000 people. And a lot of them came from the United States and Europe and other places from the world. And, you know, what did that do for a place like Ghana? It's, it's boosting its economic um, development in their, in their country. And people are going to go either way, and so making sure that we are incorporating sustainability as part of our programming mm -hmm. is really important. And so if we're going to promote Asia and we're going to promote Europe, then we need to also promote the continent of Africa as well. And so I, I just I want to point that out and share that with you all. And um, I really loved um, slide 12. Um, is, is this the, the same group that also promotes, I guess they're um, influencers, I think? Yeah, that, well, I don't know how, let me make sure I know which one slide 12 was. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, that was the Visit San Juan's. There it is. Um, so I think, you know, there's a fluid situation there with influencers. A lot of them don't want to be called influencers oh, right? okay. content I creators content. i think content is uh the, the term a lot of them are leaning on and certainly what um the folks who came to um san juan islands w would refer to themselves as um, um and that the, so the tmsb program does support you know bringing those types of content creators to destinations and being able to expose new destinations to new markets so that's that's super helpful. Um, you know, recently, uh, just this last 2022, I um, hosted a an event on a ship, the Virginia Ship Five, mm -hmm. ship with a lot of folks from the East African community, and um, it was a a moment to celebrate them, but also an opportunity to show. Uh, it was a lot of moms who were a part of this event, and um, you know, the the idea was to 
share with them the experience of the Virginia Five and also talking to them about, to get their the parents excited about the maritime industry and career launch program that we have. And some of um, the younger adults that were um, a part of the the event were asking like, how, what are ways if they had tourism um, ideas and wanted opportunities to partner with the port, what would that look like? And maybe you can share that because I'm sure that's something that the public is interested in. Right. Well, I mean, the um, getting involved in the organizations that um, are you know can use these grant funds for to encourage tourism in the area is our most direct way to uh, for people to get involved in in you know what the port can can fund and you can see the the full variety of the programs that were supported through the grant program um there's a list in the appendix there and you can see the types of programs and the, the vast organizations that are involved if people are you know looking to get to get involved it does you know there are um we're hoping to get that application launched by the end of this month if everything is approved in a couple of weeks so that's right um I, and i, I should gonna add something I was just going to add that we we have a proverbial suggestion box and want to tap into those ideas and energies if possible. So there's always an open door for those conversations. And right. I, I just I really witnessed a lot of energy and enthusiasm and different ideas at the Responsible Tourism Summit. And so I think we should be embracing that. This is an industry that's been disrupted. I think we've got our values straight, and I think we need to push forward and um, maybe consider some new ways of doing you know, the tourism business. And that, to me, is going to be built on uh, new ideas and, and new, new partnerships. Yeah, and I've, I've helped promote some of your, at least shared it with my network when the, the grant programs are open. When is the next opening? Um, by the end of the month. By the end of the month. Okay, yeah. great. So we'll make sure we circulate that. Great. Yeah, I think local tourism is a really important, and there needs to be an emphasis around that. And um, there's a lot of opportunities to even do great work around here um, in the Pacific Northwest. So great. thank you all for your work. Thank you. That Excellent. Thank you, Commissioner. Anyone else? Commissioner Hasgaw? Um, thank you. So I'm actually not seeing Asia as uh, one of the listed places where we had a strong market presence. We know that we're equidistant right. between Europe and Asia, sure. and we know that Canada has, you know, a, a strong um, Chinese tourism um, uh, attraction. And I'm just wondering what have right. we done or what can we do to promote a start, strong market presence right, know, in Asia? Right. So Asia historically was a, a, a great market for this region um, and coming from California it was a great market in California as well um, really you know looking at you know that number of how overseas arrivals were so low that is significantly because of flights from Asia being uh, you know, sluggish to return um, I had some data from individual countries like you look at flights from Mexico to Washington are at 121 percent of where they were pre-pandemic so actually more than pre-pandemic. France is high 90s, you know, UK nearing 80%. Then you look at the Asian countries and those flights, um, the most recent numbers, China was 18%, Japan and South Korea were in the low 30s. So it's just a matter of when those markets are ready to return. Um, we're certainly focused on you know, working with them when we can, but um, as we look at which 
um, international markets to focus on, you know, we have to take a lot of considerations of being travel ready, the flights that are available, the um, affinity for U.S. travel, propensity to travel in general. Um, um, so there's just a, you know, a lot of factors that are um, involved there, and unfortunately, Asia's lagging behind in recovery behind the rest of the world. I think we all saw in the news recently when China reopened. You know, we there are very much concerns about. Um, um, new COVID waves. So, you know, it's always a, a fluid situation and we're certainly monitoring those markets and um, putting the effort in where we can and where the where entering the markets that are best for us at the time. I, I guess what I would add, because we're going to be back here next month, in our strategic conversations with the state of Washington and Visit Seattle, Asia is back on our radar screen. Okay? Right. And Nick mm -hmm. cited the challenges of getting there a little too early, but this is about recovery, and That's so right. I think we've got another story that right. we're going to bring back to you in about a month. Oh, that right. sounds great. Yeah. Thank and, you so much. And um, Liz Johnson from Visit Seattle was one of our public commenters, and you know, she mentioned kind of a quick list that we had talked about, our three organizations, and Japan and South Korea were both on there. I think China will probably be a bit, a bit behind those two, though. And then um, it's just, I just want to say it's been really a joy to be able to participate as part of the uh, Responsible Ecotourism Summit alongside Commissioner Fellman. And thank you again for your work on that and that we did have a specific equity focused panel where we heard loud and clear from folks about some of their challenges in accessing grant opportunities. And I'm wondering what lessons learned from that that you've applied to this. So for our, um our tourism marketing support program grants, we've actually, um, you know, we're adjusting how we score those applicants mm -hmm. and putting more emphasis on DEI in those applications. Um, you know, it's a 100-point scale. Um, previously, it was 15 points for that. We've increased that to 25 points. So we're putting more emphasis on that. And really, the entire program will be viewed through a DEI lens more so than it has in the past. We're having our DEI department here at the port also review that application to make sure that it uh, you know, is an equitable application for those those grants and we're always adding to our list of um, you know, where we the um, our invitation to apply we're making sure that's getting out to, to everyone thank you okay thank you thank you very much Commissioner Hasegawa I see here Commissioner Feilman has wrote a book uh, and so <laughs> I'm the floor yours. first there were the glaciers <laughs> and they were good so um but they, but they're melting faster all the time so I'll go a little quicker um, I really just want to express my appreciation for working together and um, and, and, and Nick, you've brought a, a great background and demeanor to the conversation and I'm greatly appreciative of that and Thank you. it's been it's been really fun. Uh, working with Dave Blanford for the development of this ecotourism conference, um, you know the, the amount of time we put into this and the the spirit of collaboration that he exhibited it was a phenomenal success because of the ability for us to all work together and with Commissioner uh, Toshiko's um, Hasegawa's command. So, I mean, <laughs> Vice President Hasegawa's contributions and my great work, left-hand man, Mr. Yeworth. Um, so so I, I think we got off to a great start. And um, I, I think the uh, that, that the level of enthusiasm we saw from that audience kind of made me feel like, um, both from the participants as well from the audience, like, what can we do to keep that momentum going? 
I mean, so there you, you've got this energy in a bottle. And, you know, I just, you know, I didn't want to wait till the next tourism conference. And so I'm really delighted to hear that the grant program is well-timed, and I would hope we would send it to all the participants as a nice way to show them that we haven't forgot about them. I, and I guess I had a question about this. Uh, in the briefing memo, there was further $79,000 would be to supporting equity and cultural tourism values and 121000 to support ecotourism and responsible travel. Is that... Is that the marketing tourism marketing support program? Is yes. It, is that the grant program primarily? That, that yes. is it. All yes. right. So there's a nice infusion. So thank you for that responsiveness mm -hmm. to the to the demand. Um, I, I think that the uh, you know so I, I I started exploring what can we do to keep the ball rolling, and you guys sort of said you go figure it out and report back to me later, and so. David and I delved in a little bit deeper, and, and I think what was one of the things that I was concerned about, and I think uh, Commissioner Mohammed kind of raised this question, is like, if you're gonna ask people to come, can you handle the crowd? And, um, and so like, like the King Tide showed us our vulnerability to sea level rise, um, so did COVID show us the vulnerability to uh, over-tourism in our natural places, because everybody wanted to go outside, nobody wanted to go inside. So, um, and then we, then we started looking at what is the structural way in which the state of Washington deals with outdoor tourism. And, and so what we found was that outdoor recreation activities are in commerce, and then uh, natural resource programs where fish and wildlife parks and DNR, where all the land agencies are, are in natural resources. And so when and, and those individual agencies have all written their own stewardship plan and they all include DEI and they all include great planning independently and they're all competing for budgets. And then Mr. Blanford's program, Washington State Tourism, being out in commerce is not directly enmeshed in that effort and so his budget needs support independently and did not get the level of support needed for this coming year. So one of the things I saw us trying to do with our collective energy is to help direct them to the state legislative process. First step. But the, um, so that's, a, there's a structural need to better coordinate and to also try to make the case how tourism and rec support each other if you want to promote this outdoor um, program. However, what we also found was that none of the state resource agencies were really in the tourism business, right? They, they, you know, if you look at their game plan, tourism isn't one of them. And so I started looking into this, and why is that? Well, they're overwhelmed with just meeting the state of Washington's demands. And, and if you look at um, Washington Trails Association documented that there was over uh, 50 to $75 million of annual backlog of maintenance uh, for these agencies. And that's just to deal with primarily the, state, the state's own demands. And then um, national parks are really kind of where the the really the tourism and the outdoors really come together because if you're going from international like you're going to see where is the mountains you know where are those are the places you find you don't find king county parks on the international maps although they're good so um so but if you look at the national park service has a whole infrastructure fact sheet um broken out by state and for the state of washington it's a 650 million dollar backlog and and so so i'm saying like 
am I feeling responsible in saying, saying if you could go out there to be res responsibly, unless the resources themselves are being stewarded, we're just adding pressure. And so I, I was trying to think to myself, like, how can we make tourism pay for stewardship? And then so I was thinking, well, we have the hotel motel tax programs, right? But they're really to promote more tourism. They're not promoting stewardship. And so maybe, but maybe as a Visit Seattle board member, maybe we can do something about that. But then I just saw King County just passed a parks levy. And it's interesting to see that 39% of the levy is towards operations and maintenance. You know, not mm -hmm. to buying new parks, not to doing that. So, so I, I think that, um, but I feel like for this 2020 to 2025 parks initiative, which includes, you know, the foothills of the oh, Alpine Lakes Wilderness, that this is a place where we can work with our constituents, um, where folks from the urban environment can get easy access to their natural environment, where because of the easy access shows some of the more pressures on over tourism. We can have, uh, with all these kind of monies, trail maintenance and things like that, working with tribes like at Snoqualmie. I, I would really like for us to see our ability to create a stewardship <coughs> model that I feel is more responsible for us to promote responsible visitation to. So that's sort of where I've gotten this far. Thank you for your Great. attention. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you very much. Thank you, uh, both of you, for your presentation on tourism. Thank really appreciate the work you. you guys are doing. All right, and uh, actually, I'll, 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 I normally wouldn't comment, but I will also echo the sentiment that uh, Commissioner Hazegawa appointed, appointed to. That I think that you know any data you may be working with on Asia tourism or travel mm -hmm. that predates November or so is outdated. And if you're depending on that data, you're probably behind the curve because we were just in Asia. I was in Korea. We were both in Japan, and they are very much uh, open and traveling. Uh, I think China may be the exception here. And so I would encourage you, I know we focus on China because they're big, but there's, you know, as you mentioned, Japan, South Korea, Singapore, and a lot of Southeast Asian countries that are also dying to get out of their countries and right. travel. And so uh, let's try to get ahead of the curve and try to capture as much of that market too. So thanks for all your work. Thank you. To add that there. Thank you. Okay, so that concludes our business uh, meeting agenda for the day. Are there any closing comments at this time or motions relating to committee referrals from commissioners? Commissioner Hasegawa. I just wanted to say how much fun I had watching Hulu's National Geographic TV yes. special called Inside Airport Lost and Found with the first episode featuring SeaTac Airport. I had no idea it was there. I literally stumbled upon it and loved seeing our hardworking staff um, in action. Um, it's truly astounding what people decide to pack in their luggage and gives me a new appreciation for the level of work. Just a pro tip to the wise, do not pack raw, raw fish into your baggage. Um, but I just, I just really wanted to thank you guys for what you do every single day. Um, and for folks who are listening, I, tr I encourage you to check it out on Hulu. Excellent, I agree. Um, anything else? Any closing comments from Executive Director Metric? Well, I'm sorry. Oh, sorry, I'm I didn't sorry. see I was asked Go to ahead. say something. Go ahead, this Commissioner Feldman. Yeah, so um, so there was a passing that we, we need to acknowledge, and being that I'm the old guy on the block, that this is, this is I was asked by uh, former con uh, Commissioner Paige Miller, uh, request me to say a few words, um, with the passing of Noel Gibb. I wanted to share that, that former Commissioner Page Miller noted the passing of former Burien council member 
and Mayor Noel Gibb back in December 4th at age 86. So I already made a mistake. He wasn't the commissioner. He was a, I did not know him, unfortunately. Burien City Council Member and Mayor Noel Gibb. A longtime resident and small business owner in Burien, Gibb served at one time on the Burien City Council between 2002 and 2005 and was selected by his fellow council members to serve as mayor for one term, 2004 to 2005. During his term as mayor, Noel initiated efforts to work collaboratively with the Port of Seattle to resolve the litigation regarding the third runway project at SEA. His efforts made a difference in leading to a more productive outcome in that dispute. As a U.S. Army veteran, Gibb served the Burien community by co-founding Discover Burien to help promote business in the city, and he played a strategic part in building Burien Cares, Community Animal Resource and Education Society, which shelters and manages lost and stray animals in the area. A celebration of life will be held for Mr. Gibb on Saturday, January 21st at 2 o'clock at the Glendale Lutheran Church. Our sympathies go out to his family. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Um, Executive Director Metric, any closing comments? Uh, thanks, thanks, uh, President Cho. I think that uh, I think this is the best meeting of the year so far. I, so I agree. I think I got that from <laughs> got that from Eric Schinfeld of the the dad jokes to tell. So, uh, but anyway, thanks thanks for a great meeting. I think I'm um, looking forward to uh, really exciting, especially looking at our. Um, at our federal uh, policies and, and reviewing our other initiatives to, to advance our work. And I think one thing that noted as it arose, and I think talking to some of you on the, uh, as we look at the national and the national engagement, I think for us in the future too, talking about our engagement and strategies at the international level, mm -hmm. right? How do we, I think when we come back, maybe we'll reflect that in this document, but maybe it deserves its own kind of shortened report about our international levels, because sometimes those move to use the same analogy at glacier at glaciers but some of those are really important and affect the overall and i think we're uh, positioning ourselves to influence those as well so i just note that and thank you commissioners for a great thank meeting you and so present much. all right hearing no further comments and having no further business if there's no objection we are adjourned at exactly 310 and on time good start to the year thank you all thank you everybody <laughs>